0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 162. And happy Halloween, everybody. Um, I'm really excited about this episode for so many reasons. But in this exact moment, um, I'm thinking about the fact that you'll be hearing this on Halloween, which is a day that I think I think I can say in like American culture it's a day that's kind of all about fantasy and whimsy and this conversation is so in line with that. Um Abby and Bryn of Finfolk make mermaid tales. They have devoted their life to fantasy, their lives to fantasy. Um, we talk a lot about a, a lot about that in the interview and kind of sort of almost like the morality of of a fantasy and kind of the role that it plays in like an ethical way in our individual lives. And, um, I'm just like, I'm so kind of high on these ideas and, you know, while I'm at it and thinking about this, um, another thing that's happening right now is it's, we, since last time I had an episode for you, it's been the one year anniversary of the release of my third album, the hallowed wide, which is also a fantasy project. Um, I had a really beautiful opportunity to play the show, Um, so, so for the listener, you know, if anyone's kind of new, just popping in, um, my third record is like a fantasy concept album. Um, and so when we play it live, it's like, it's really a show, like from beginning to end. And there's kind of these like, you know, very enchanted like narrations between the songs. Um, anyway, so we played it live for the first time on October 22nd of 2022. Um, and I had planned to book, you know, some more kind of um, shows throughout the spring. But of course I had... A terrible knee injury and spent, you know, the whole winter doing that. Um and kind of just focusing on recovery and then have been in crazy wedding season and then with uh school starting and teaching my classes at the university blah 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 blah. Um anyway, so um me and my my bandmates who also all happen to be um faculty members at the same university utah valley university where we teach we got to perform our show this show on campus um this past friday and it was it was almost almost a year to the day like just i think five days off of the anniversary and i am feeling this feeling again of like how powerful fantasy can be how powerful kind of like art is in general um anyway and also the hallowed wide is such like a fall like I I planned the release to be right before Halloween last year because it's it's kind of got a a spooky like enchanted forest kind of a vibe um anyway so you know it just this releasing this episode today feels very like serendipitous because it just it it's making me feel like (laughs) like this kind of layering of meaning and these like um intersecting projects. And, um, and I also wanted to say Abby and Bryn from Finfolk. So another thing about this interview that I loved listening back, I listened back to it last week, we recorded it like about six months ago, but oh my gosh, Abby and Bryn, like they are twin sisters. As we know, it's the first time in like the history of this podcast that I've interviewed more than one person at once. And it was just, it was a perfect, um, a perfect kind of trial for, for this and maybe even kind of one of a kind, because these two women are so like pay such close attention to what each other are saying. Um, and I also feel like one thing I loved about this conversation is just the level of attention that I feel the three of us are paying to each other and kind of this three way, um, you know, such an intense focus on the subject matter and on the conversation. And I just am grateful for it. I appreciate it so much. I think like this kind of attention is, I, I've begun to kind of realize over the this this year um, how valuable this skill is and how valuable this resource of like attention is and just how much it means. And, and it meant a lot to me to be listening, to listen back and to to really feel that happening and to hear us all, um, you know, kind of making that investment and being engaged in the conversation and just, you know, giving each other the kind of, um, care and sort of honor of that close attention. So I wanted to kind of call that out and just, um, state how much I appreciate it. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of what I wanted to say. If you, if you want to celebrate the birthday of the hallowed wide with me, um, it's on Spotify. Um, I actually like, so I had released every song as a single over there's 12 songs and I'd released them over one a month, um, in, uh, in 2022, um, with the final song kind of coming out in October. So I I started at the end of 2021. Anyway, it doesn't matter all this to say, I haven't actually released the entire album as like one release on Spotify, which my bad see the aforementioned knee surgery distracting me for like the vast majority of this calendar year. Um, but if you type into Spotify, Emily Merrill, the hallowed wide, you should be able to find a playlist that has all the songs in order or on YouTube. I also have a playlist with all of the music videos also in order. Um, there's plenty of resources, but, you know, if you feel like celebrating the birthday of the hallowed wide with me, um, I would love it. Please listen, give it a listen. And then please check out Finn Folk. Um, what these women are doing is so powerful. It's so powerful. And you'll hear us talk in the interview about, you know, some of the reasons why it's, why it's powerful. Um, and yeah, I'm just really into it. Okay. Let me tell you a little bit more about Finfolk now. Finfolk Productions was founded by twin sisters Abby and Bryn Roberts in 2012 and specializes exclusively in realistic, fully swimmable mermaid tales and accessories. From the lakes of Minnesota to the beaches of Hawaii and now to the mountains of North Carolina, the studio location has changed over the years and expanded to a small team of eight, but our commitment to quality, handcrafted art is unwavering. Finfolk Productions is well-established within the Mermaid Performance Community and have provided countless tales for clients worldwide our tail making techniques are unique and exclusive to our company and we guarantee the highest quality tales on the market and again like so i found finfolk and and we'll talk about this in the interview but i found it because i follow some professional mermaids and uh, one of the mermaids that i follow um always sources her tales from finfolk and uh I just, I knew that I had to, I knew that I had to know more and I'm so grateful to Abby and Bryn for, um, being willing to do the podcast. And again, just so grateful for, um, their creativity and attention to the conversation. I just, it's, it means so much to me. And especially in this, like very enchanted time of year, it just feels especially wonderful and delicious and, um, Really like heart filling. So, um, I think that's all I want to say. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's it. I'm just thinking through my mind. Is there anything else? And I don't think there is. So, without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Abby and Bryn of Finfolk. Here comes. Great art almost feels like magic, it opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. Welcome!
1: Hello.
0: <laughs> You're both so beautiful with your long mermaid Hi. hair too. Oh, God, <laughs> I
1: I'm pulling mine up to get it like out of my face. yeah Fair yeah.
0: enough. Okay, do you have any Please. questions for me before we like dig in? Um,
1: oh, God. Dude, I don't think so. Um. I, I, like apologies. We were like rushing in all oh, around please don't worry. Stuff and stuff. So, um, and also I, my spring allergies are like horrible right now. So hopefully my voice sounds no. sultry. Just we're very saying,
0: sexy uh, and beautiful. Yeah. I can't even, your voice sounds beautiful. And also like who doesn't have spring allergies right now? I'm I right know. there with you. We've yeah. been like,
1: where are you based. Yeah, I mean,
0: I'm in Utah. Um, we've been okay, okay. we've been uh, sleeping with the windows open for a couple of nights, um, because it's yeah. beautiful outside. And I wake up with that like totally dry throat feeling. You know, and my eyes are like all yeah. dry.
1: <laughs> so yeah. okay. Yeah, we're in western NC, so everything's everything of is. Right? Yeah. Do yeah. you guys get
0: like mold there?
1: yes my boyfriend gets really bad mold allergies in like the fall especially yeah. because there's so many leaves and everything yeah.
0: i yeah. i went to college in texas and i had really bad mold allergies there and i had to like someone asked me the other day like would you recommend living in texas and i was like the only reason i don't still live there is because like the mold like i was allergic <laughs> was i was sick all year it's not the only reason but it's 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 the main it's the it's the main one that i that i couldn't live there um okay well let's dig in so i've i never interviewed two people at once before, but it makes perfect yeah. sense that I was telling my husband last night. Um, I was like, you know, the reason I don't do I don't normally do it is because there's I, I really want to understand like an individual creative adults like, you know, childhood development and the development of their creativity. And I was like, but they're sisters. So they have like. You know, yeah. it's like the we well, sisters, Sorry.
1: but we're we're identical twins. Oh, I don't okay. think I knew that. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I w- what a better way to interview two people at once? Yes, um, yeah. I mean,
0: It's definitely the way to start. It's
1: definitely yeah, the way well, to I do it. We still try and make it easy for you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. well, yeah, we obviously spend so much time together that we like so, tell a lot of the same stories and like all totally. that. So, yeah. Well,
0: so yeah. where did you guys grow up?
1: So we grew up um, around the Twin Cities area in Minnesota. So okay. Minneapolis, St. Paul, general area, a little bit in western Wisconsin. If you're from that area or have been there, you know that the border of Wisconsin is like 45 minutes away from the Twin Cities. So okay. um, so we grew up mostly there. Our mom and our mom's side of the family lived just in western Wisconsin. So that area of the upper Midwest.
0: Okay, and it's, so it's, it's really green there, right?
1: Yes, and it's also very snowy and cold. Yes, <laughs> it's very cold, long winters, lots of time for crafting. Yeah, yes. but in the summer, yes. and, the summer yes. and stuff, beautiful. Hey,
0: before we continue, I feel like your S's are getting, like, really shocky. I wonder if maybe your microphone's just up too high. Maybe you turn it down a little bit. It's just peaking, getting that, like, red line at the top.
1: I don't actually know how okay, I to think, I think I think maybe you fixed our... it, or? Does that sound any better?
0: Mm, yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: Speaker. Oh, okay. Oops! Sorry, that's a test. Apparently, that's <laughs> <laughs> um, no, perfect. Hopefully, hopefully okay. that's maybe. Better. I think that's good. I'm I... on a laptop, so I don't know how to like make adjustments. It should. Necessary? It should.
0: It should work great. Whatever you just did was really noisy, so maybe just don't do that
1: okay okay Okay. (laughs) it's the paper questions and i set it on the laptop (laughs) so i will not do that okay great so
0: i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like really use those questions it's like my guests have asked me to like send questions like this but like i just want to like listen to you and like talk to you um so don't worry too much about those um i
1: actually love the questions that you said i (laughs) love them they're so i feel like they're so different and so much more in depth than a lot of interview questions we've gotten before so i love the questions.
0: good thank you so much yeah I've been thinking about this actually recently and thinking like I need to start telling my guests because I've done like I've done like about a, a little over 150 of these interviews but wow. most of the time I've been interviewing people in person and I just kind of recently started doing remote interviews. And so I think when people are in person it's a little bit of a different vibe. Um but I, I've been realizing I need to tell people like it's not like other interviews you do I think. <laughs>
2: like it's yeah, we're talking yeah. yeah
0: we're talking about like who you are as a creative. So I wanted to know um I wanted to know about like your environment growing up, like in the home. So I'm curious about, you know, do you have siblings and what's the birth order? And then in addition to that, um, like just what's the what what kind of creative stuff did you have going on in your childhood?
1: Yeah. So we had a really interesting childhood. Um, Our parents were divorced. Um, at a, at, at, we we're what eight or nine? Eight or nine. Think. Think we are the oldest. Separated. Yeah, so we we're the oldest, um, oldest siblings. Technically, I'm the oldest. I'm 40 minutes older than her. Wait, sorry. Um, who?
0: I should have asked. Who's who? I, yeah, I'm sorry.
1: I'm Abby. Abby okay. and, okay. and Bryn. Okay. And we were born and they, our parents named us in alphabetical order. Yes. So Abby, <laughs> is oldest. Bryn, second oldest.
0: Oh, great. Um, <laughs> I'm the oldest child too.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you know <laughs> We're the oldest and not only that, but we're the oldest by nine years, I think. Our our younger brother wasn't born until we were nine. Yeah. Okay. And then he he's our last full sibling. And then our dad remarried and had three more children that are actually much younger than us. There's like the 18, 20 year okay. differences between us. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. um but we grew up and um Uh, Very nuclear family to start. Our mom was a stay-at-home mom and our dad worked in advertising. So our dad is a creative as well. He's an artist. So we grew up in that environment. I remember from a very young age, like sitting on our dad's drawing desk with him while he was drawing stuff out. Yeah. So he used to do all kinds of like illustration. And then, like I said, he worked in an ad, he worked in ad agencies and stuff, kind of all throughout like the nineties and stuff. Um, And then 9-11 happened, the economy crashed, and he has been a freelance artist ever since then. Nice. Um, So yeah, it was a very, uh, it was a very interesting environment to grow up in. There's definitely some terms turmoil with sure. our parents divorce it was not a good it's not a good or amicable yeah. one yeah, um ever um there was a lot of like moving around because our dad mm-hmm. um kind of did the starving artist thing um I for- yeah
0: What's I know that? it I know it well I mean I've I feel really lucky like that's not kind of my story but I mean I've been freelancing for 12 years and, and have been and have been lucky to have kind of figured out what I'm doing but it's um, I, a lot of my friends I mean almost all my friends are artists and it's it's tricky which is one reason why I feel like yeah. these conversations are really helpful because you know when artists who are like just thriving you know making our businesses and like when we talk about what it's actually like I feel like that can be like a really powerful thing.
1: Yeah, yes, absolutely. Well, and we did uh, – we had our mom again. She was like a stay-at-home mom. So our dad was obviously – he's very quintessential artist. Like we grew up watching him watercolor, and he's amazing. amazing. He's fantastic. He's illustrated a lot of children's books and things like that. Um, and our mom cool. – less of the artistic side, but she was always the one like organizing crafts for us. Love and it. Things like that. So and then- tell me
0: what you were doing. Like, I want to hear even including like, so stuff that's like organized arts and also just like outdoor play, like pretend games. Like what are all of the like creative things that you're doing? Maybe I'd love to kind of focus specifically on like childhood. So like, you know, earliest memories up to like 10, 11, 12, what were yeah. you up to?
1: So um, our dad was just an amazing dad. He didn't have his dad growing up. And so he kind of like went next level with the dad thing. Cool. So he was always reading us books and stuff yeah. before bed. And so I feel like reading was really kind of our first foray into like really fantastical, imaginative um, you know, just world building. Yes. Yeah. World building and, and play and, and all of our creativity kind of stemming from that initial source, I feel was a really big part of our childhood in general. And I also think that it's interesting, like when she said he would read us books, he wouldn't, it wasn't always kids books. Like, you know, like he would read us like, um, like, yeah. (laughs) We grew up yeah with him reading us, um, like the highwayman and stuff like How that. How old were you? Like when, when. Children. Children, I remember being wow. very, I mean, yeah. very young. Four or five years old. Okay, like, so here's my, my next question
0: Did he like talk about it with you were you like were you talking about like uh what does it mean like did you have discussions in conjunction with the reading or like how was it
1: i think one of the things that really helped us very early on is he treated us kind of just like little adults when he would read to us and we talk about things and well and i think i remember i think it's yates is the Highwayman who wrote that like i have a vivid memory of him it's so funny because i haven't thought thought of this in years so but your prompts are just incredible um But um, where it's a part of the poem where it goes, you know, the road is a a ribbon of moonlight, like across the purple moors. Beautiful. And him explaining, like, what those descriptors meant and being like, oh, he's talking about what the road looks like at night under the moonlight, but he's saying it in this poetic way. So just... That kind of when we say that he read to us, it wasn't just like oh we're reading Dr. Seuss. Like yeah. we'd read those books too, but again he'd also sit down and be like here's some David Thoreau or yeah. some Yates or, um That's and it was a lot of a lot of that when we were kids with yeah. him. So.
0: I love that so much, and it's it's one of my like kind of pet uh, philosophies that, or or maybe it's like a question that I'm kind of always asking of like, you know, where, what, what parts of creativity are innate and what parts of creativity are kind of cultivated. And yeah. I so often like just really believe that it's so much of it is like how we talk about things, how we're introduced to them, how we're taught to see and think. Um, yes. but with like, you I mean, you also have like a genetic component cause your dad's an yeah. artist. So what are, what are your thoughts about like, you know, kind of where creativity comes yeah. from?
1: I love that question um, because, yeah, I do think it's that that really fundamental like nature versus nurture question for sure. But I really think it's both. I mean, I think that there is a natural genetic component to it because I do, there are there are people that you will just watch and they will immediately have that. You know, yeah. we've got three younger siblings who are growing up in the same environment as us, and they all have a little bit of artistic you know, ability and whatever, but you can see, you know, Ellie, our youngest sister, she's really into it. You know, she's really into drawing and creating and stuff like that. And so I really think it's both. I mean, we're lucky that we grew up um, in an environment with a really creative parent who was willing to kind of be, you know, immediately bring us into the artistic world um, and really nurture that in us. Mm -hmm. And then there's a part of it, too, where we've kind of had these moments of like, you know, like the touches of destiny of like, because we're Mm -hmm. twins and not only we run a business together, but it's an arts-based business. And I still remember it was like five or six years ago. Our mom found, you know, some of our stuff from when we were kids. And I think it was when we were twelve. We had literally written a business plan for ah! a, horse, a horse camp because um, we were horse we were horse girls for a very long time. I love it. And, and looking at it, and it's funny to be like we were only twelve, but we had it's like in the twelve-year-old handwriting where it's like where are we going to get money? Like, and here's what we'll need to build. And like, here's how we'll fundraise. And and just stuff like that where it's, I don't, and I remember doing it after our mom had showed it to us. Um, But it's, so it's, it's funny, kind of this fundamentals of what we did as kids in play even that turned into reality for us as well. That it, and it is, it's fascinating because it's kind of like, where did that come from? And I think it's, you know, a mixture of, of our dad and he was always an ideas man and, and, and our mom who was always, you know, encouraging us to do crafts and projects or, you know, go out and make some of your own money, like make a dog walking service, you know, stuff like that. And then how that all kind of intermingled and meshed to, to get us to the point that we're at now.
0: Yeah. It's like, we need that kind of like inherent curiosity. You need some kind of like determination, which it sounds like you definitely Mm -hmm. had both. And then I think Maybe this one, I I mean, I've talked to a lot of artists who, who didn't have supportive parents, so I know that it's not necessary but i think it certainly helps if you have an adult who's kind of guiding you through those things. Mm-hmm. That's really Absolutely.
1: Cool. Yeah, i think to just be to grow up in the environment of it where it was like it was just a natural thing. Yeah. To go draw something, go paint something, and and then go and talk to
0: for your dad to kind of teach you like even just that little anecdote about the purple moors and the w- river, you know, the moon on the river. It's 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 teaching you like an approach you know like it's teaching you to ask questions okay. it's teaching you to kind of to ask yourself like when there's something you don't understand like well could i understand it like what questions do i need to ask like is there another okay. way to look at it which is so much of what we do I think it's like that internal yeah. like so okay tell me more about like what you guys were doing what kind of crafts were you doing what kind of play were you doing tell me about your horses like yeah. what was, <laughs> what what was like the creative fodder of your childhood in addition to Yates and Thoreau
1: yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think it's really interesting because I look back at a, a lot of it was so there was like a, the financial aspect of it which is that we did not grow up with much sure. as in way of finances and so it was a lot of like some of it was like that forced creativity of our mom always kept like a craft closet yeah. um, of markers and paper and and things and then it was almost like when you half are forced to be resourceful um at fi- and you figure out how to <laughs> to do crafts on like a limited budget or yeah. you don't have a ton of craft supplies so I think like that was like definitely a lot of our our Crafting yeah. as children was almost the being forced to to innovate yeah. um, and to kind of use what was at our disposal, which was not a ton of stuff. Because yeah. um, our dad had his supplies, but those were like his fancy sure. night. Not like we weren't allowed to use them, but, you know, when you're 10, you're not going to go like mess with dad's big watercolor palette. You know, well, it's this like, is so- something
0: I've talked about with a lot of my guests of like, you know, just the actual resources. Like, what mm-hmm. does it take for a creative child to ask for materials or to be resourceful about materials. Cause that's huge. I mean, if you think about a kid who like, like how many kids might be like incredible piano players, but like, there's not a piano because a piano right. is thousands mm-hmm. of dollars, you know? Or, yeah. Yes.
1: I absolutely think, and th- I saw that in some of your questions is like, I absolutely think that there's obviously a level of privilege that can come into so much of that. And so mm-hmm. many arts in general, I think that there are, there are a lot of arts that you can do for very cheap. You can have a pencil and a piece of paper, you yeah. know, if, if drawing is your art. Writing is yeah, free. But yes, yes, exactly. So, um, you know, I do think that can come into play for a lot of it though. And yeah. I mean, on the flip side, though, like Bryn was saying, is it's like we kind of had the the flip side of the coin where there wasn't a lot of that available to us. And so um, we got the positive aspect of that was learning how to be resourceful. Creativity, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. So
0: you were like drawing and painting, doing like mm-hmm. visual arts. Were you guys writing stories? Were you like
1: putting That's- on little skits? Was there music? Yeah. Um, we were definitely big into writing little stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I think that kind of tied back into our dad reading to us a lot. Um, and we were also growing up again in kind of um, in an environment that wasn't always amazing, you know, things were hard with our parents sometimes we were again constantly moving around a lot um so we were starting new schools we were new kids a lot and that was really tough socially yeah. and so we were both very big readers and fantasy novels like especially we i'm were right there off. with you <laughs> yes and um and so there's that level of escapism with that 100 that um i think is so so great and so so nurturing to creativity um and so so necessary for creative people i think escapism plays a big role in a lot of creativity yeah. and art um and we were definitely visually based artists though I will say like our mom did put us in piano classes oh, yeah. um in grade school and we are not musically bad take bad <laughs> yeah. whatsoever well, and so like I have always have so much respect for people that are that are inclined in that form of creativity because yeah. I obviously love music but I am not musically inclined whatsoever. I totally
0: just- get it though. Cause like, I'm the same way with visual art. Like in fact, I feel like a very visual person, but uh-huh. I just, I, I make music that feels visual to me. <laughs> yes. but I'm sure you like take inspiration from sounds. Like I find that lots of times these things are like, I don't know. It's like the, for me, like visual inspiration comes in and like sound comes out. <laughs>
1: like, yes. Yeah. It's, it's that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. My brain does not work that way at all, but yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. There'll be things that will uh, music is inspiring or, or film
0: something. or like TV yeah. shows. I mean, I like it, increasingly, I feel like, you know, part of what I like think about as an artist and as a creative person is like, is there a way that I can kind of tune my brain so that, like, I just don't miss any art? <laughs> like,
1: yeah. so that, like,
0: everything beautiful that could come in is, like, coming in. <laughs> like Yeah, you kind mean? of
1: constantly thinking about all the things you're missing out on. I think about that all the time. I'm yeah. like, there's a song out there somewhere that I would love that yes. I've never heard. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> so I teach
0: songwriting. I've been teaching songwriting at Utah Valley University. Um, I taught that's songwriting cool. one this last fall and songwriting Maybe. two. And we had our, we had, like, our finals were yesterday. And uh, that's why I didn't email Hannah back about about her stomach <laughs> bug but I wanted to tell her I'm so sorry about the stomach bug um, but anyway uh, yeah I, and I was talking about this with my students like we were just we were talking in class about how there's this devastating feeling of like what am I missing? And I felt yeah, the same yeah. way. Like, I always say, like, the first time I ate Indian food, like, as an adult, I was like, why? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, what else? Indian food. <laughs> My husband and I eat it like once a week. Well, so it's like, I it's fantasy.
0: It I mean, it's like all these spices, and like, you know, I mean, it feels very similarly like really rich and colorful like I'm not surprised <laughs> that you like Indian food with all yeah. the all the beauty that's in your lives um okay I wanted to ask so okay so you were writing little stories were you always co-writing like and if so please tell me how he you would, did you, that
1: yeah. We co-created a lot. Yes. Um, we mm-hmm. would co-do stories. I mean, we would do each our individual things, but for the most part, I feel like a lot of our projects growing up as kids, whether they were working on little physical projects or like writing projects, we were doing a lot of stuff together. Cool. And um, and I really think that us being twins, I mean, I feel like that has so much to do with how we've managed to make a successful business. It's like business a superpower. <laughs> our, our, yeah. It really feels Amazing. that way because- It's it's not just one. There's no way I could have done this all by myself. There's Mm -hmm. no way she could have done it all by herself. Tell me what Um,
0: things you guys are like super aligned on where it becomes that like, you know, I don't know, like where you're you're like the same but extra powerful. And what things are you like? do do one of you have a strength
1: yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah i mean i think like just our sense of creativity and like the inspiration behind our creativity very similar very very similar and i think that obviously has a lot to do with the fact that like we we like the same stuff we like the same (laughs) stuff we grew up in the exact same environment we read Um, the same books we're obsessed with the same movie like we're big lord of the rings people like you know stuff like that so yeah i think that's similar interests does it feel
0: like if one of you like i'm wondering like how it goes. Like, is it like, you know, even, is there a pattern? Like if one of you has an idea and then I can imagine if I had someone around who was like, a lot like me but not me it mm-hmm. could be fun to bounce ideas with that yeah, person yeah, it, absolutely. Is, it, is it like that yes yeah.
1: absolutely it is probably just as good as you ever imagining it <laughs> you can be you'll i'll get i know i'll get an idea and i'll be really excited about it and i can take it to Bryn, and i know that she'll be excited about she, it it just builds Like yes. that building excitement because and then you know it's it's like when you have a rough draft of a paper and you can like, but like someone's already there to be like, Oh, but what if we tweaked this or did this instead? And, and it's, again, we just kind of build off of each other. My husband laughs all the time because we text each other like nonstop and it'll be like 10 o'clock at night and he'll be like, you work together, <laughs> you see her every day. What could you possibly be talking about? It's like, like you're each your
0: other's mind. muse or something. Like, does it yeah, feel like yeah. that? Or Yeah, you can
1: feel like that sometimes for sure. And I also think there's something to be said for just like being able to have this radical level, level of vulnerability. Yeah. Um, I feel like as a creative, it can be so hard to be like, this is my creation. This is my idea. Let me my put my it thought. out into the world or tell oh, yeah. somebody about it. That can be so hard. Oh, Whereas we totally. don't have that. That's not a barrier for us. Wow, and that's instead, incredible. Think, yeah. So I think that can be really empowering too, because it's like, I don't feel like she's going to be like, no, your idea is stupid, yeah, you know, no, or if no. she is, she's going to tell it to me in a way that's not going to hurt my feelings. Like, you know, and so being able to be vulnerable and, and really open, I think, cause I feel like a lot of the time, so much of artists not, you know, feeling insecure, feeling like they're an imposter. It has to do with a lot of your own insecurities. Right. And so being able to be vulnerable on a really raw level, I think is really helpful. I almost
0: imagine there's like a second component too, of like, sometimes when you have an idea and you tell that idea to someone and they don't Get it? That can make you feel like well, maybe it's a stupid idea. But I'm like a very stubborn yeah. person, and I like so escapism for me in my childhood. And like, I love mermaids. I love fantasy. Like, I'm I'm mm-hmm. so exactly there with you. The the most recent album I just put out, I call it like fantasy pop. It's like oh, so, wow. so it's a fantasy yeah. record too. Um, but what I was gonna say is you know, my I come I had kind of an abusive upbringing, and both of my parents were. I'm, my mom has passed away, and I'm not in contact with my dad. So. Mm-hmm it's like a for me it was like um learning to kind of cultivate and nurture like my own little world yeah. and for yeah. my so for me as a creative I've kind of like I don't know I've sort of just figured out how to like pushed through that but yeah. I do feel a lot of the time like what has happened to me is like I have an idea and a lot of the people around me as well-meaning as they are um not my parents but now are, yeah. are like oh hmm, uh. and then you know once I bring the idea to fruition which like I'll do because I'm that kind of stubborn yes. yeah yeah um, and then they're like oh I didn't realize and it yeah and so lots of times I think those incredible ideas like they don't even happen because people yeah. like the first person someone tells is like kind of like confused and then it you know
1: oh yeah yes. try telling people that you want to make mermaid tails for a living yeah. and then they really look at you and they're like mm-hmm, that sounds nice yeah. mean, in, um, in retrospect
0: <laughs> it makes perfect sense that you're twins like I mean it makes yeah. perfect sense that like because I, I can totally see that that like it, it takes a, a fierce like a completely trusting partner Mm -hmm. to build that kind of a vision
1: yes yeah absolutely it does and it's um, a little easier to jump off the cliff if someone's gonna like go with you yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah that too for sure do
0: you find any patterns like that one of you has certain kinds of ideas and the other has other ideas do you find that like one of you is really good at like certain types of things
1: um, I mean, in terms of like physically what we do, I do a lot of the painting and Bryn does a lot of the sculpting. Wow. Um, now we've done that for so long now. We've done that for basically 10 years of the business and it just kind of started out that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, like that was just kind of the thing that Bryn started doing. And then the thing that I started doing was painting. And, um, we've done it for so long now that I feel like if I tried to sculpt anything, it would absolutely fall right. Well, <laughs> and if I tried to like paint like a whole silicone tail the way Abby does, like it definitely, it <gasps> would maybe look okay yeah. but was there
0: a time that you were both equally good painter and sculptor
1: I think so I, I think, think so, so. yeah when, <laughs> when
0: was that like how <laughs> old when
1: we first started like when we we first started making the tails um and started the business when we were 2021 20, wow. so yeah it was like we were still in college we dropped out of college to actually start the That's business amazing. once we realized that it was like a viable option for us, and um, and so yeah, I think we're kind of right at that point, and then it just became easier for us to each kind of take take one right. aspect of it and really specialize in it and hone in on. Can it. I ask yeah. how old you are now? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, we're 31. Okay, I just turned 35. So just, yeah. <laughs> I was about to be like, 32. No, no, we just turned 31 in <laughs> January. So, yeah. I struggle with like a lot of the numbers. Like, I, so I'm, I just turned 35 last week, and 35 is like a nice, I'm going to remember this one. But when it's like 34, 36, I think I'm like, wait, hey.
1: It feels like it's a nice medium number yeah, yeah yeah it's
0: given me like it's a nice it's chunky as I keep saying yeah. it's like it's divisible it's by cheap. seven <laughs> like <it's... laughs> um but I keep I keep kind of like I've been sort of like it's given me a reason to like reflect in a different way like ah 35 what is it what does it mean yes. yeah. yeah
1: yeah those milestone birthdays yeah. I mean when we turned 30 you know just a little over a year ago and when, when we turned 30 it was that was a big milestone. We turned 30 the same year that the business turned 10. Yeah. So, because um, again, it was, we were around 20 or 20 wow. or so when we started the business. And so that was, it was a big reflective yeah. year for us. That's, last so, year, right? That's exactly. so funny
0: that you said that. Cause I've also just been thinking like I graduated from, I finished my master's degree 10 years ago. So I'm like 35, wow. it's been 10 years. I've seriously, I just, in my last interview, I was like talking about this. So when people listen back, they'll be like on episode, this one, Emily's talking about that. And then <laughs> Brandon and Abby are talking about that. That's funny. Um, yeah. So talk to me about sculpture. Like, how did you, like, how did you develop that skill, both of you, like, uh, before you were 20? Like, wh- what were you sculpting? How was that?
1: Well, we just took every single yeah. art course we were allowed to take in high school. Mm-hmm. And okay. I think at one point we even took too many. Like, I think at one mm-hmm. point, like, there was a school superintendent or somebody that was like, you're taking too many art credits. And, um, and I don't know how we well, really we got transferred, away with it. Um, we transferred high schools, like. Midway, like a halfway through our sophomore year. So. Yeah, we were definitely the kids. We took every single art credit that we possibly could to the point that that they tried to stop us. They yeah. were like, no, too many art <laughs> be credits. Be more well-rounded. Um, what what um, art cl-
0: What were they? Like, can you tell me some of the classes? I mean,
1: I remember specifically there were pottery classes. Mm-hmm. I know a painting class, mm-hmm. I think. I ended up in my senior year, I was in like a, a self-directed oh, we art both were credit. Yes, we were both in like self a self-directed. It was like one of the college cool. level. AP like you art. Could, AP art, okay. yeah, Yes, yeah, where you you get to do like a self directed course essentially, wow. where you you need to provide a certain amount of pieces and a portfolio at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as like, I mean, sculpting, I think I think you did a lot of like, we both did pottery classes. Mm-hmm. Um but there was also that point for the business where it was like I almost I really pushed with learning how to sculpt because out of necessity yes. <laughs> um because everything that we do is even up to the fabric mermaid tails that we make it all starts at a base of something that is been sculpted and then turned into a mold yeah. um and then from there we create a silicone piece of that and then from there it gets painted by Abby and then it either gets turned into a full silicone piece or it gets turned into a digital file that we then
2: turn oh, into a sublimation
1: print and then it gets sewn together. So it all kind of the basis, the groundwork for everything that we do is the sculpting and the painting aspect of things. Oh, um, I love so it. yeah, a lot of, a lot of, of my, like, again, we both did a lot of like sculpting and th- like 3D art and stuff like that before, cool. but then the, we, the natural break that happened between like Abby was going to take, k- kind of took over more of the painting and I took over more of the sculpting. So for, for me, a lot of it has just been, you know, like necessity. the necessity yeah, sure. of, okay. you know, and then from there, just, you know, honing the craft Ooh. and learning. And I oh, still I feel it. like I'm, 10 years in, it's like, I still feel like I have so much to learn. I and, like, love so this
0: feeling. Yeah. I I feel the same way, like and it's funny, like my sometimes I'll have someone like my family is just my family's kind of toxic and sometimes <laughs> like I'll have an aunt or something that will be like, Oh, Emily, you think you know everything and I'm like, No, I think I know nothing.
2: Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like really? no,
0: it's actually the opposite. I feel like <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, I don't know anything. It's, the world yeah. is
1: enormous. It's crazy. There's so much to learn. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, like I said, it's been interesting for us. It's because, again, it was kind of similar with, like, making The Mermaid Tales, where I look back and it's it's almost like those people in your life that only supported you like once they found out that oh like you're doing this and you're actually mm-hmm. successful doing it and then they're like I always believed in yeah. you and you're like okay like, yeah I specifically remember when you didn't but yeah yep.
0: yeah so. it's it's a real it's a it's super thing okay let's I want to spend just like a little bit more time in your teens because I just think I just think like you know my, my kind of philosophy right now, and it's always changing is I think all children are creative. Some children are hungry for it in a different way. (laughs) But I think we all kind of start out with like, you know, how can you come into the world and not like, be in wonder I think like yes, I mean yes. all all babies are in wonder all babies mm-hmm. are like shocked by everything yes. and then you know like I think we lose a lot of we lose a lot of creativity based on our environment we lose mm-hmm. even more creatives and teens and then we have a huge drop off like into adulthood Absolutely. so I'm, I'm, I'm really curious about how like artistic identity and creativity are, are really cultivated and nurtured so I'm curious at what age do you feel like you were kind of seeing yourself as like artists and maybe you didn't use that word I don't know but
1: I I feel very young I mean and again we were lucky enough to grow up in in household where being an artist was a thing you could be um and so I because I remember being in like middle school and like we both were like drawing even in elementary school I think we were I think you know both of us had stuff selected at some points for like art shows and things like that. Well, it was in middle school, like in middle school, I got in trouble because I was, it was in a literature class where you had to draw a picture, like a book cover of your favorite book. And my teacher was like, you had an older kid draw this for you. And I was like, no, I drew this. This is my, my drawing. so funny. Um, But yeah, we, we definitely drew, drawing was a big one. And it's, I actually really came into, I think feeling like, like an artist in my high school years um especially um with drawing especially with uh, like graphite and, and it's interesting yeah. cuz you know we were talking you were talking about accessibility yeah. and for a long time in in high school and then into college I did graphite portrait work for wow. years wow. and uh, people would ask me they'd be like why that and I was like cuz it's affordable yeah <laughs> cuz it's paper and pencils i can literally i would walk into Blix and it was you know they're like a, it's like a dollar it was like a dollar 25 yeah. or a dollar 07 for for a pencil and then it's like if you buy like maybe five you kind of have a range of like your different graphite versus like a light graphite it's versus funny versus though because graphite. even before that i remember you doing your first like realistic because brenda's very realistic oh. style graphite work oh yeah didn't um, i do it with like mechanical pencils? she did it she, your first couple you did with a mechanical pencil yeah. just one mm-hmm. and it reminds me of like you see some of these artists emerging on tiktok like that like literally their whole art is done with like one bic pen yeah, you know yeah, yeah. like and i love so it I I think again there's a lot to that. And that was when and I remember it was in high school, was when I really started coming into a lot of the graphite work that I did. And um and when I really that was when I started to feel like I was good at yeah, something yeah, yeah. specific. Um and it's 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 really interesting because like um um I remember people would ask me in high school because, you know, we, then you become like the art kid. Yeah, yeah. You know. I'm curious um, about this. Yeah. Your identity. Your identity. You become the yeah. art kid. And um, um, I had a couple a couple interesting experiences that I would love to know at being a teenage, the art kid as a teenager. Yeah. Um, and one was people always ask me. They're like, well, you're going to art school, right? And uh, for a long time in high school, I was like, ha ha ha, no, like everybody knows that that's silly, Mm -hmm. like, because it's so plowed into your brain. Same thing happened to me. As a young person, like, don't go into the arts, don't go into the arts, don't go into the arts. And so when I I was became the art kid in high school and everyone was like, you're so good, like, you're definitely going to art school, right? And I would be like, ha ha ha, no, silly. Like, why would I do that? I've been directed I need to do something
0: practical.
1: Yes, yes to not <laughs> to not pursue that. Yeah. And so, so I was going to go time, to law school. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't even think I knew what my backup was. I just knew that if people asked me if I was going to go to art school, my answer was no. Yeah. And and I never did I never I never did go to art school. And that looking back, I'm like, oh, that would have been a great experience and I would have sure. loved that, but the just such was the tra- trajectory of our lives. Um, but and then, and then I also had <laughs> I think I must have been like a senior in high school at this point. Again, I was doing like the art, um, the self-guided, like, studio art, like, AP studio art credit. And across, right across from the art room was the math room Mm -hmm. where I took math. Mm -hmm. And um, I was failing (laughs) geometry. (laughs) And I think I passed. I mean, I passed, but with, like, a D minus kind of a thing. And this was, I loved school, but by then, by by like my senior year in high school and stuff, I was like, whatever, I'm ready to be out of here. I was not doing well. Math has never been my forte. And I like very specifically remember that teacher being like, she's like, I know that you're spending all this time over in the art room. But she was like, you need to be focused on your math because your, your art's not going to take you anywhere. Like math is what's going to take you somewhere in life. And like, I've had people be like, she didn't actually say that to you. And I'm like, yes, she very specifically did. I was was like sitting in a desk and she like slammed a pencil down in front of me and was like, you spend too much time in the art room. That shouldn't be your focus. You really need to like focus on getting your math grade up because like that's, what's going to take you somewhere well, in life I mean if you know, think was-
0: about how devastating that is like I had really similar experiences like even just I, I think about this sometimes and kind of like it blows my mind but like when I was so I my degrees are in jazz studies and I went to I left like I grew up in Arizona and then like I I wanted to go to this really good jazz studies program and, and I needed to go to, to school because I didn't have creative parents and I right. I, yeah. I yeah. didn't have like I just Correct. didn't oh, I needed yeah. help yeah I needed training yeah. and uh, and I also needed to get away I think yeah. But yeah. my dad like drove w- with me out to Texas uh and the whole way driving out to Texas he was like the grass is always greener like you're not gonna this isn't gonna be what you want and I had uh, this same thing that you guys were talking about like you know years after I was like in my career and successful you know my dad would like kind of brag about me and I was just like yeah but no <laughs> like you it just uh, yeah. but, but it, it is like it's I don't know I'd love to hear you describe like um specifically maybe Bryn for this one like if you could describe like how you took what that math teacher said and like what allowed you to like not listen to it or like what yes. what was
1: it well, I think it's it's funny it's like you were saying there's like that stubbornness. Yeah. Cuz I was the same way and it for me I was very driven especially in my younger years. It's funny cuz as I've gotten a little older I've like definitely mellowed out a little bit, but there was definitely like I don't want to say like aggression necessarily, but it was almost that like I want to prove you wrong. Yeah. Like um And, and again, you have so much like wonder and like this passion, like in this, this feeling inside of you, like this need to create. And so for me, a lot of it, it, I remember her, I remember that moment so specifically Mm. because it made me so, it made me so angry and so like frustrated and kind of that, like, I'll show you like mentality of things. And, um, and, and it's interesting because on, on the flip side, um, we had an art teacher in our sophomore year. I mentioned that we we switched high schools yeah. in, in the middle of our sophomore year. And we had um, this incredible art teacher named Mr. Niska. And he was just doing, it was like the basic art classes that you like have to take. Cool. You draw and watercolor. And I remember at the time, I didn't feel good. Like I was a good artist necessarily at the time. Yeah. But he saw something like in in both of us we I think we had his class even separately maybe I don't know that we had it together but he was always like a A, A." (laughs) yeah like he'd walk by and just like write a before I was even like finished with whatever you know we'd be drawing still lifes or whatever and when he and I think he knew he must have known that we weren't super financially well off like we were definitely the kids on like the government lunches and stuff like that and when he found out that we were leaving you know, I came to him and I th- i would think it was probably upset because I was like, hey, I'm like moving in like two oh, weeks or something, and, like yeah. suddenly out of nowhere. And like, I'm not going to be here anymore. And he was like, and I remember very vividly, he was like, he was like, come with me. And he like, we walked into the, the like art supply room. There, yeah. Yeah. Was and that- he walked us into the art supply room and he just offloaded like, a box of art (gasps) supplies to us. And he was like, don't tell anybody. (gasps) Yeah. he, he He was like, don't, he was like, don't tell anybody. He was like, just keep making art. And like the impact that that had—it's like, like going to make,
2: make me, me cry. I'm <laughs> too now because
1: it, it's like one of those things, and it's so sad because I've wanted to reach out to him since then. I actually think he's passed, he passed away. Uh, he's since passed because he was older when we were there, and that would have been like almost 15. You just got to no, pay now.
0: it forward, I think.
1: Yeah, right. uh, exactly. But yeah, so it's really really interesting how like as a teenager, like you don't even know who you are yet, like. You barely know, like, your art style. I barely knew, like, what type of art I wanted to, like, keep doing. Again, I kind of always, for a lot, as a teenager, had that mentality of, like, I'm not going to do art as a career. So, like, I never really thought. It's fragile. Mm -hmm. Didn't have to think super hard about, like, what I wanted to do art-wise because I, for a long time, I thought I wasn't going to do it as a career. So, it's definitely interesting, like, how the adults around you can impact, you know, the decisions that you make or how you think about things. Because, like, in some ways, you know, the math teacher that was... Super awful to me was like almost I hate to say almost as beneficial, but it's like she push he pushed me in a very positive way, whereas like she pushed me in a way that was like a like, well, how dare you? Like, of course I'm gonna keep making art, like of course I'm gonna focus on this more. Like, I don't care about your math
0: class. My dad, my dad saying like the grass is always greener, like it felt the same way to me. I was just like, Mm -hmm. you're so like, what I would say now, I've been kind of joking about this recently, but now I would say, like, that's so boring. You're being so yes. boring. Yeah. And the math teacher is being so boring.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's oh God, like- yeah. It's <laughs> like, and, and sometimes, too, I feel like you almost can't blame people that yeah. don't have that in them, that don't have that aspect of creativity. You know, some people are just super pragmatic and that is what has worked for them yeah. in life and in how our society is structured and you almost can't blame them because i and, and in some ways i really pity them or i feel bad for them i remember reading an article a couple of years back about how like some people don't have an emotional response to music yeah like they just don't like your brain doesn't process that way and i just remember being shocked by that yeah. because like i'm i'm somebody where it's like i'll listen to a good movie score and i'll get goosebumps you yeah. know and to know that there are people that just literally don't, just don't work that have way. that response yeah. and, like, I feel so bad for you. Well,
0: um, I, I don't, I mean, maybe you're talking about like something that I, I haven't heard about, but I, what you're talking about is making me think of, I'm reading this book right now that my guests are going to be like, or my uh, listeners are going to be like, Emily, stop talking about the book. Cause I keep talking about <laughs> it, but, but, um, but it's called your brain on art. And it's like a neurology book about, yes. have you heard of I it? That book. I
1: have it. Yes. I have oh. not read it. I have not read it because it's, I am like, it's so buying books and not finishing. It's them. so but good. Abby,
0: like, and the audio, Absolutely. the audio book is great too. If like, cause I, okay. I know when you're okay. busy, like I listen, while That's driving, people,
2: yeah, cooking,
0: yeah. driving, like walking my dog. Um, mm-hmm. but Anyway, it's incredible. And one thing that I have loved about it that is totally changing the way that I'm thinking about this project, it's changing the way that I'm thinking about my teaching that I do. But, like, they they have you take at the beginning of this book, it's called, like, an aesthetic awareness survey. And it's like a – it's a neurology – it's, it's written by like a neurologist, but a, it's about this kind of skill of like attunement and awareness of aesthetics. So mm-hmm. including sound, including anything visual, including just like, you know, w- like measuring and kind of thinking about your emotional responses. And it makes me think like, this is a skill. Like this is yeah, a skill set.
1: Absolutely. And yeah.
0: those of us who have that skill set really naturally, like I took the survey and I'm like, I, I can genuinely answer like a five on all of these. Like maybe there's one that <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh okay depending on like what the time span of this is like maybe I'll answer a four but like right you know out of five but um I think my point is just that like it 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 is something to kind of it's it's literally something to kind of feel sorry about because it's it's an it's a crucial part of like our health as a
1: species I think so <laughs> yeah. absolutely well and it's like you think back to like you know cave times it's like there were people doing cave paintings, you know, and it's like making there,
0: music and dancing there were people making
1: music. There were people weaving baskets like that. Fine motor. T- yeah. t- study, like people that do beading and jewelry work and stuff like that. It's like, that doesn't just exist now. Like that is so fundamental it's in to our species. Human, yeah. And that they weren't just necessarily, like, weaving a basket for a basket. That there was still, like, creativity behind a lot of that. There's still Mm. some need to make it beautiful for some reason. Exactly.
0: And even this whole idea that there's, like, form versus function is, like, kind of a capitalistic, like, nightmare of a thing. But, like, like, I think the the way that the book kind of talks about it is, like, even just, like, you know, putting your hands on, like, linen or, like, you know, things that are totally for, like, function, it's Mm -hmm. still beauty. And it's still, like, there's something... I don't know, really wonderful. I love it so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had another question about um, your kind of art identities. What was it? Oh, we were talking about I wanted to hear more about like, just your thoughts about kind of resilience and how you kind of like, um, maybe Abby, if you could talk about how you held on to like, held on to those kind of beliefs.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just again, it's like, it's so fundamentally like a part of who I am, like, and I think, um, I think growing up, you know, with some level of um, something that you had to be resilient through. Yeah. I think that, you know, had a lot to do with it. I think um, just in those moments when life is hard, it's, it's what could life be? It's like that creative, um, imaginative, like, Reaching for the best possible thing in your life, and I love Um, it. And like, and what what fuels that? What it inspires that? Um, And I look back at like so many of my, you know, things that are like deeply inspirational to me, or that are deeply motivational to me. Um, And I think those have so much to do with my my level of resilience, Um, and also my desire to continue. You know, your desire to continue creating and continue building um, off of. Um, you know, the skills that you already have, uh, yeah. you know, you, I just want to like
0: clarify. Cause I think maybe you just said something like really profound. <laughs> are, you,
1: are, are you
0: saying that like the resilience and the inspiration are kind of one and the same?
1: Like, I think so. Wow, I think cool. that they are. I really do. Because I think, um, I think there's a level of feeling inspired creatively that can also go into feeling inspired to create your life. Yes. Um, and, I'm so and I think there with so- you is that resiliency is a desire well, to continue on when and things are hard. When you think about, you know, for us, so much of the creative things that we were part of as kids were that, again, that there's that escapism mm-hmm. element to it, um, where it, it truly was like we read books because it was a way to get out of our current environment. Um, and how I feel like a lot of creating art, like kind of gives you that same feeling. Yeah. And then it's like, and then from there it's, you're building on, your life of yeah. like well if i can make this thing be beautiful why can't i can i do that with my whole life yes. and and i want to keep making beautiful things like this so how do i make that yeah. be my life as well and i actually I pulled up this Tolkien quote because Please. it is one that i just love Yay. that has a lot to do with fantasy and escapism and he said fantasy is escapist and that is its glory if a soldier is imprisoned by the enemy don't we consider it his duty to escape if we value the freedom of mind and soul if we're partisans of liberty, then it's our plain duty to escape and to take as many people with us as we can. <gasps>
2: ah!
1: <laughs> I love it. Yes, it's oh, so true. Know. I believe it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, well, just because I know that Tolkien, especially, you know, he had critics of his books early on were like, this is just fantasy. This is this escapism. Is like, yeah. Again, those people that are so pragmatic and dogmatic they're sometimes. They cling to their real. Yeah, the so boring. That <laughs> Yeah, that there's something threatening about it, you know, yeah. um, or something to critique about it yeah. um, and, and to have somebody who is literally like the grandfather of modern fantasy, like yeah. be like, no, escaping is, ism is part of it. And it's yeah. a glorious thing.
0: And we um, have to. It's like yeah. I like this idea that it's like, what, what did he say about the soldier? Like, isn't it his duty yeah, to his escape? To yeah. escape yeah.
1: The enemy. And again, that's kind of where, again, I kind of tie the escapism and the resiliency, you know, in with um, our own lives. Yeah. And in with the fantasy aspect of it, of like, it's your duty to, it's almost like
0: its own like morality system or something. It feels like that to me a lot. Like my it's, it's more than it's like a manifesto. It's like creativity and art and I, and I don't, obviously not everybody can have like a life that's devoted to the arts, but everyone Mm -hmm. can have an artful life and everyone can have a creative life.
1: Yeah. I I think of it as like, you know, being pragmatic is like, you know, the way to live and being creative is why life is worth living. You know, those two things I think can come into balance a lot. I think they can come into balance too, you know? And I
0: think people get confused again. It's like, In capitalism, I mean, and I'm not here to be like, you know, whatever. (laughs) Uh, It's just like something I've been thinking about. I mean, I think probably a lot because increasingly, at least with my like music students it's really hard to make a living in music because music's free in our culture right now it's just like what it is and Mm -hmm. I I hate the idea that like artistry is so connected to money for people yes I I just don't like it like I mean if you like those of us who can make our living this way like it's it's a wonderful thing but if you can't like you (laughs) still
1: get to own all of that like um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, another thing is, I we feel I know we feel very lucky um, and we do not take it for granted at all that we get mm-hmm. to have a creative based business and job. I feel so lucky that we get to have that because there are so many people that don't. And I do feel like so many people will base their worth, their yes. success all of their own interpretations of themselves and their art based upon, are you making money off of it? And I just think that's really sad. Or (laughs) even
0: like I was going to say before, like, I think we get really products focused and like, and a product can be like a physical thing. It can be a mermaid tale, or it can be, you know, a digital thing, an album or a blog post or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But but creativity so much of it and you know this like this we the three of us are talking for the listener i think at this point Mm -hmm. but you know so much of what what is artful is your perspective like how do you interpret things it's just happening in your mind Mm
2: -hmm. and and a lot of
0: the most powerful work is happening there
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely
0: can we talk about how your idea of kind of like what it meant to be a creative or meant to be an artist like evolved from your child selves like until you know until now
1: yeah. What, um, what is it? I always felt really proud of being like the art kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like that was just something that, again, I, you know, you are building your identity as, yeah. as a young person, as a kid, um, even into like up into your early 20s and stuff. So much of your young life is building your identity. And I think, you know, it can be dangerous to put too many labels on yourself. But yeah. I think when you're searching and trying to figure yourself out I think sometimes they can be helpful and so yeah being like the artist being the art kid those were things that I was really proud to identify as yeah. and with um, and it's really interesting because I think that drove me even more into art than mm-hmm. it maybe would have if I didn't identify that way
0: mm-hmm. I love it it really it really was like a, a manifesto even for yeah, a, little
1: kid. a little bit of a self-fulfilling <laughs> yeah. prophecy yeah. like yeah. Yes, I am an art kid well, I <laughs> feel like, the same way again yeah. how funny it is you know because like I said there was there were those years you know was really prominent like high school years for me where people would be like, well, obviously you're going to go to art school. Right. And I was like, ha 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 ha. Like, yeah. especially because at the time, like we had no funds for, yeah. for to even go to college and uh, whatsoever. And our college, especially it can be very expensive. You know, we, we were going to school in the twin cities. So obviously there's like um, the, the Minneapolis Art Institute Institute up there, Mm -hmm. um, MIA and stuff like that. That was prominent. MCAT is up there, you know, these very prominent art schools that I, I I definitely um, like I I envied. I kind of Mm -hmm. like, like I lusted at that idea of like, like a cool college art student like I envisioned that in my head but I just never thought that it would be for me I never thought that that was something that was realistic for me so it is very but but again in that as soon as we Abby and I always kind of jived off of each other as far as our creative abilities and kind of also having a bit of like that entrepreneurial spirit and so it's as soon as there was that opportunity came to us and in front of us like we were so quick to grab onto that. And, and again, almost that stubbornness of like, I'm going to make this happen. (laughs) Like I'm going to make this my reality. And um, it's interesting having that juxtaposition of like for years thinking like, Oh, I'll never go to art school because I can't afford it. And it's impractical. And then, but then I think, and I also think when you're young too, like it's, it's, it's easier to kind of take again, that leap of faith and be like, I'm going to go for it. And Um, and that's that's really what we did, and how quickly we were just like, nope, yep, like this is what we're gonna do. I mean, I think it was about a year that we first ran that we ran the studio um, before we like dropped out of college and yep. quit our jobs, yeah. and um, and and like it's it's hard to be like, and then the rest was history, you know? Because it's like obviously there's so many other yeah. other struggles that came later, totally. as well, like, the actual logistics of. Ma- running a company that makes mermaid tails, and how yeah. do you exist, and how do you live, and how do you make it be something, yeah. you know, that is successful, and and all of those components. But um, but yeah, it's really interesting, kind of like looking back again. There's Abby and I have looked back and been had that feeling of like, oh, there's always kind of like this touch of destiny. Like we look back and we're like, this makes sense that we do yes. this together. Like because when you look back at the whole history of it all from when we were little kids until now, like it's just. It just makes sense. Well, I feel
0: like you can, you can create, you can look, you can look for any through line that you want, like to make sense of the present. And I think it says so much about like, it's the path you've chosen. I mean, I believe Mm -hmm. you. It's like a touch of destiny for sure. And also part of what that is, is like just taking those steps, like doing those things.
1: Taking the opportunities when they present themselves. Yeah, Yeah, that's
0: the, that's the, that's the, um, I've been talking, I've been like writing about this kind of topic recently because I've also Mm -hmm. been like for the same reason as you guys, like I'm just turned 35. It's been 10 years since I finished college. I've been like reflecting and kind of looking back and going like, where does this connect and what's the origin of this? And just kind of thinking like there's so many different ways that you can draw through line through your life. Like I can look back, added like a trauma through line, which I often do mm-hmm. to kind of make sense of certain things and help me understand myself. Mm-hmm. And then I can look back through this like creative through line and be like, no, I always was a little kid who was like hiding in a bush, like looking for fairies. Like that just was always yeah. happening. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no one told me to do that. Like I just yeah. like... <laughs> You know, and I, I just, I feel that I know that you're the same. Like,
2: yes,
1: hundred yeah, percent. Yeah.
0: Oh, do you want to say anything else about that? Just being like in, like being in fantasy. Like, what does it feel like?
1: Oh, I just like, I, I, it's again, it's kind of like Tolkien said. It's like it's almost kind of your duty to like be able to imagine i think other worlds and cuz i think world building is such a huge part of creativity yeah. like um you know even if you're just making a single art piece you know um and for us with you know building you know building a business is kind of like world building totally. especially your life
0: like, is world building yeah,
1: well, and especially nowadays with like social media yeah. and how your your company ethics and and all of these things um are such a huge part of of you know it's not just making mermaid tails yeah. it's building like a whole little world around a nest the yeah yeah <laughs> exactly and so i think that that has such a huge part of it too and um yeah i don't know any other thoughts um well i just thought it was interesting like you talking about um your you know like those through lines of your, your life. And you're like, and some of that's trauma and some <laughs> of it's also just that I was creative. And it's, it's interesting. Cause Abby and I have had some of these talks with other, other art people that we know where I think there's also something about like being a creative person or being an artist. That's just by nature, you feel things very deeply. Yes. So whether it's like joy and happiness or whether it's like sadness and like, or like horrific things that you went through and like how we, internalize all of those things and then ultimately use it to be creative Mm -hmm. and it's always been really fascinating to me how intermingled that those things can be like Mm -hmm. how so much of our creativity can come from our joy or the things that inspire us but also how so much of it can come from like those trials or traumas or things that were like so deeply hurtful but that um but that, like I think it was Abby had written them, you had written something like really like mm-hmm. kind of cool about it. Cause it was right around the time when both Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade yes, I had, had both about. had both committed suicide and and how how uh, the tragedy behind that and how Abby was talking about, like obviously mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I don't claim to know anything about either of these people or their life or their yeah. struggles. But like that there is this kind of like this awfulness but like beautifulness to like how some of these some of the most creative people you know are also some of like the most like horribly sad or depressed people and it's but it's like it doesn't have a filter we have to be like because yeah. we just I think that's also the nature of people that are super creative and are super artistic is that you just like you feel everything yeah. very deeply. I like tell my
0: students this too like not. you ha- you have to if you're gonna take in inspiration like that door is open. That means it's open for everything. Like, yeah. Well, and but I
1: feel like in order to have. That, um, that desire and that ambition to create something, it has to come from a place of feeling deeply inspired. And like you said, like that post you're referencing, mm-hmm. I know exactly which one yes, you're talking about. Yeah. Um, it's that to, in order to feel deeply inspired, you just have to feel deeply, period. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that, yeah, it's like some beautiful things can come from that. And it's also can be really hard things, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
0: i feel like it's just like i don't know i i read tara brock's book um radical acceptance years ago like honestly probably like 10 years ago now well mm-hmm. probably more like eight and yeah i think about this a lot like we can't control these things that are dark so what better to do than like take you know you just take in the things that 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 you must take in mm-hmm. and then just do your best to synthesize them into something amazing like what yep. else is there yep. what else is yeah. there <laughs> what other choice do we have yeah. yes, <laughs> exactly so let's talk about finfolk so i i want just one final like a uh, preliminary question: uh, Were you what? How? What percentage of like the art that you were making before you had the idea was fantasy? Like, w- was it mermaids? Like, was it always oh,
1: mermaids? No, so much of it. No, so it's so funny because people are always like, "Oh, were you super into mermaids to start this business?" And and the answer is really no. I mean, we were into all sorts of fantasy type um subject matter mm-hmm. um you know we're really deeply into like you know unicorns for a while and stuff and, <laughs> well, and, horses and, like, you love horses yeah, I mean, yeah who was or it horses, horses but... fairies the very fairy tale you know very fairy tale kind of thing so i'm sure mermaids were in there kind dragons of yeah yes, dragons. dragons. i was just yes. gonna yes. say dragons yep. mm-hmm. Yeah. A, dra- and, um, a dragon is kind really of a found... land mermaid
0: <laughs>
2: Yes, yes, I recently
1: found a giant dragon drawing that Abby yeah. had done in like middle school. Yes, yeah. I need to send that to our little brother because he's big on the Aragon Damn. books now. But, um, but yes, yeah, so we are just the fantasy genre in general. We, um, you know, we were never. You know, I loved mermaids. We played mermaids in the pool. Like, yeah. kind of who didn't? Who you didn't? Know? Uh, my mermaid. Yeah. My,
0: my mermaid name was Sylvia. Yeah.
1: Oh, beautiful <laughs> yes. mermaid Sylvia. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, it's funny because it was not like, like we did not go mermaids are going to be our thing that is what we're how, we how do we make a business how do we make a business out of it? how because did it happen we were, yeah so um it happened very by accident um which is that we were both working out at the renaissance festival cool. and in, the, in minnesota in minnesota and the creative director at the time they were going to start a mermaid show
0: wait and what so, were you work what were you what were jobs were you doing there
1: we were just out there on cast being... Oh, you need to tell her what we really were. We were the unicorn mascot. We Yay. wore the unicorn mascot costume. Yes, we yes. did. And we were Woo. out there having the time of our lives. We're in our early. 20s. We're in
0: our hey, early wait, 20s. wait. I have one follow-up question. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes those of us that go to rent fairs get mm-hmm. teased. Did you deal with like any of that kind I of think stuff? We
1: did. Yes, we did. I actually very specifically remember in high school being bullied by one girl. In particular about it, um, because again, it's like it, I feel like it's becoming a lot more normalized. Yes. I feel, yeah, I feel like the it's kind of becoming like a cosplay. They're it's, kind of becoming more cosplay. Once cosplay again, fares. very
0: boring to be like the Ren Fair yes. isn't cool. <laughs> like
1: yeah. Yeah. the Ren, Ren Fair
0: is fantastic. Yeah,
1: listen, we waited it out. We were the weirdos back then, and we waited it out. And now listen, it's like every I cosplayer about that on now, TikTok is we're going like to a anybody that like, ever made fun of us in like high school and stuff. We're like, you're whatever. You're boring now. Like, yeah. You're yeah, so yeah, totally. Yeah. that's why I I love I
0: love boring is a very like boring is a very um like kind of it's not very mean (laughs) like it's not a super it's but it's very it's just like accurate and kind of light (laughs) but it's like it's why I said before I'm kind of joking but like when people are naysayers like that I just feel like uh, you're just being boring it's just easy it's an easy thing to kind of just like ah, boring (laughs)
1: yeah it's those people go that away. have like that fear of anything that's like a little bit different than yeah. what they're used to that it's like all right you go ahead and live in your little bubble like i'm gonna be over here living not in my
0: bored yeah.
1: <laughs> not yeah um but yeah so we were working at the minnesota renaissance festival cool. we we're the unicorn mascot at the time um and um we at the time the, the the so they are creative directors out there they were like they kind of put out a casting call to the cast in general being like is there anyone interested in making mermaid Tales at wow. the time abby was in college for um apparel apparel technology yeah i was sewing basically um, cool. i wanted to get into costuming and well- i And at that point, I had decided, Abby was thinking she maybe wanted to get into theatrical costuming. I, at the time, had finally decided I was doing just my gen eds in Minneapolis. And I was like, but I had the vision. I really wanted to maybe go to L.A., to get into I really wanted to work in film potentially cool. but like not as an actor or anything that's so not me. Um but I really wanted to get into like prop or set design. Cool. At the time I really thought I wanted to work in like theat and like makeup and stuff like that. Um Amazing. And and now I look back and there's a, you know obviously a million reasons that I'm ultimately glad that's not what I ended sure. up doing. But at the time we were both kind of like okay, like general interests. Abby was like I could sew whatever you might need if I could sew some mermaid tails. And again, I had just kind of started to dabble in the idea of you know that more like special effects level of like work and art and creativity uh, like and, prosthetics and stuff silicone and yeah cool me. so and then that's when they were like well ideally we want like silicone or latex These or something realistic like that. Something really realistic really realistic wow and um they gave it and we we're like okay sure you know because again when you're young and you're just like and you just say yes and you're yeah. we like yeah we we're like all right sure like we'll figure it out like there's two of us like this would have been
0: we- like twenty. 20- 11 or something?
1: Yeah, 2012. 2012. It was the, the summer summer of 2012 was <sighs> the first season. So it was like that June, I think, or so they cut us a check for like Twelve hundred dollars. When we were broke, high supplies, school, when you're kids. broke, college. Well, we were college at the time, but yeah. So they cut us a college, check for like twelve hundred dollars yeah. to be like, go buy some supplies, to like make Because ah. we'd them some estimates. We started looking at like silicones that we could use and like supplies, and I think we probably like were like, oh, it might be about this much. So they cut us a check for twelve hundred dollars, which at the time we were like,
2: ooh,
1: yeah. like look at all this money um to go buy art supplies. <laughs> right. So
0: I'm sorry, this is so ignorant, but like, how does like silicone? how do you carve it like is it so like a polymer do you mold it
1: is a liquid basically okay. it's a very viscous and liquid it's before you before and it. it's parts yes, yeah. that you mix together and then it becomes a solid the type oh, okay. of silicone we use there are many different types of like there's silicone caulking that you use in your bathroom this is very this is different from that so silicone it is is a rubber it starts out kind of as a liquid you generally mix you know components of it together and then it will cure and solidify into a solid and then you paint it okay solid yeah and you you, pour it into a mold did you already
0: okay cool did you are okay you pour it into a mold so you sculpt the mold
1: Yes. Yes. Okay. So there, it's it's um so like say there's like a fin, a mermaid fin. You know we would sculpt that in clay, and then there's a variety wow. of ways that you can take that clay piece and make a mold of it. At the time when we first ever started, I think we were using plaster, which yeah. is yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's nuts. Um, yeah. Um, that but you but did plaster, you did you resin. know
0: about silicone back then? No. Like I okay, no, we
1: had never used it before. Oh, wow. We never it before. Yeah, and, and we we're just like okay, sure. We were just so lucky because um they, the people managing all of this, they, they knew us and they knew of our artistic inclinations and they were basically like, we, we trust, we you trust to you. To out. So that was amazing for us. That was an amazing opportunity right off the bat because we had never heard of mermaid Tales being a thing before we'd never seen one um and so yeah when people are like were you really into mermaids it's like no actually we came into it we were into it we were just (sighs) there for the creative aspect of it Mm -hmm. and it was after we made i think we made five what essentially ended up being our prototypes for the Renaissance Festival. And we ended up like we took them to a pool and swam in them one day and like it posted on YouTube kind of a thing. And then it was like it was shortly after that. It was like later that fall or winter. Someone was like, hey, you might want to know that there's like a forum online that shared your YouTube video and they're like talking about you guys and they're like freaking out because you made these sales. And that was when we first discovered like the mermaid community. Freaking and, out uh,
0: positive or freaking yes, out? Okay.
1: Yes. Okay. yes People yeah. want, wanting to know if we were going to be selling them. Love yeah, more to sell mm-hmm. which again we had no idea it was even we're be like a thing. and that was kind of when we started being like oh like sparkle. that was when we started to dabble in mm-hmm. we made a couple more prototypes we did it at the time we did a kickstarter back in the day cool. when like, I feel like kickstarters were a little it's still kind of a thing kickstarter
0: worked thing. better back then for sure yes,
1: yes. Yeah. yeah before it was yeah kind of kind saturated. of yeah. Yeah, yeah, saturated were saturated yeah. um so we did like a kickstarter to raise funds to make more of our prototypes and then we actually it, the kickstarter was to make more prototypes that we could then take to hawaii to have photographed um in like the ocean and swimming in them and stuff Whoa. like that and that was really kind of the quintessential like the start from there yeah. we got hired by like another renaissance festival that you know because of that connection oh. you know there was another someone that owned another renaissance festival and was it can't Texas. Texas um so like we went out to Texas like the next summer I'm pretty yeah. sure Whoa. and made tales for them for their show and that was really and then it was like from there right that was around kind of a snowball time. of like oh we could turn this oh, into like like we could turn this because I a think business. we got our we first could. actual silicone tail order off of the kickstarter remember oh, it was, was one yes. of the prize mm-hmm. levels so <gasps> yeah so that was literally it like that's how it all started and wow. um and 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 yeah like Brent said I hate to say the rest is history but that it's literally well it snowballed it snowballed and <laughs> then it's like been the last like 10 years we've honestly kind of for the first time in the last like year or two kind of had this moment to like breathe almost I'm like yeah. like wow that all really just happened that's <laughs> crazy yeah. so yeah. those
0: first prototypes that you made were they like how like because the tales you make now are so experimental and incredible like mm-hmm. were those like much simpler
1: they they It's funny cuz a lot of the components are very much the very same. Very much cool. the yeah, very similar. The yeah. sculpting was a lot more rudimentary. How did you was a lot more <laughs> rudimentary. I mean, How did you
0: do it? Like what inspiration were you looking at? Like how were how did you do it? like how there did you a lot of
1: trial and error. Yeah. and we've said this to a lot of people there's no like manual right well and there's there's
0: no mermaid tail. you know like yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. where i mean surely you're drawing inspiration from fish and the different like shapes of the fins yes. but
1: fish was a big part of it yeah because yes. yeah, well, we've always been very like like always super obsessed with like the ocean and stuff when we were kids and um And so that was definitely a big inspiration, um, right? And then also like your fantasy, you know, your fantasy, like novels and and stuff like that. I remember I looked at a lot of, um, uh, who is the the famous fairy artist that I'm um, spacing on right now? Arthur Rackham? No, but probably, I probably looked at his stuff. I looked at like a lot of fairies, um, you know, a lot of other like fantasy creatures and cool. and people artwork like that and then it's like you just kind of start to morph it into or dragons and stuff you yeah. know you kind of start to morph it into okay but what if it scales on a body and like a fluke and a fin shape cool. and stuff like that so you know it was a lot of experimenting and like sketching and you just know looking kind of for of that gut like thrill yeah, like yeah that. you do a lot of thinking of like what well, what, what is a, like a mermaid, or you know, t- stories about like Atlantis? Um, and then you know, there's all these different versions of you know, like there's the Disney little mermaid that we all kind of grew up with, right. but then you know, there's also like slimy mermaids, mermaids are, like, yeah. Well, yeah. Like, the fin, yeah, the Finfolk folk are actually, um, an old war from the Orkney Islands, um, wow. over in Scotland, and the Finn folk were like people that crawled out of like lakes and stuff and like stole and like stole children. So (laughs) so there's like so many different motifs that you could kind of play off of, you know, and that's kind of how we've the kind of constant like ever evolving of the business. And I love it. And the creative side of the business is kind of, you know, there's so many different like areas that you can tap into of like,
0: can be dark. It can be, tell me like, just as one example, like, so when you're looking at fairies and then you're thinking about mermaids, What is it like? Are you thinking about an iridescence? Are you thinking about like like just as that one example? Are you thinking about like a shape of a wing and the shape of a fin? Like,
2: yeah,
1: I would say like shape of a wing, shape of a fin. All we spend a lot of of time time also because you're you are you're mixing like form and function because not only does it have to be something that's that's beautiful, right? But it also has to be something that people can swim in. Everything that we make, um, Mm -hmm. everything that we make is fully swimmable like it can be put in the water and swam in obviously like you need to be able to swim in order to do that like it's not yeah. going to help you swim if you can't swim right. but you know everything that we make is it's something that in theory needs to be able to go in the water the material needs to be able to last in the water um and you need, it you need to stay to, on your body it needs to stay on your body in the water so there's there is also a little like that aerodynamics of like okay when it's in the water and it's moving and how is it going to look like you yeah. don't kind of want it to look like something that's like broken or (laughs) like we've had talks about even like you know like oh if I make this kind of tattered looking fin but then it do does it look sick does it look like it got run over by a boat like you know just some of these things you consider as like what what is it going to look like when it's actually in action and that's helped a little with you know when you determine like you know shapes that you want to use underwater yeah and I would say the function aspect of of creating tails was a huge part of of our foundation building. Um, mm-hmm. you know, the aesthetics of it is obviously like the fun aspect of it, but we really had to spend a couple of years really getting the the function part mm-hmm. of it down. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I love it. It's so amazing. Okay. I want to ask you something that's like, I don't know, could be weird, or maybe you'll totally have thoughts about it, <laughs> but I'm wondering about like, just mermaids are so like, I feel like there's a lot of like, um, Baggage around mermaids, like a lot of Mm -hmm. gendered baggage,
1: perhaps Mm -hmm. a lot of
0: like thin
1: things. Yeah, Yeah. do you want to talk
0: about that stuff?
1: Yeah, so no, it's actually been really amazing because the industry, as we know it, it's first of all, is about to be we they're thinking very explosive. The new little mermaid movie is coming out. Hell yeah, The, the um, there's a new Netflix mermaid documentary that's also about to come out this month. Um, we, so it's been very interesting from when we started to now yeah. to see it move from kind it's of it's already this, been this crazy yeah, growth yeah. because um, it's you know there are a lot of people where mermaiding is just becoming this thing they're just learning about whereas it's been our whole world for the last 10 years tell me your
0: perspective
1: please yeah, like, or yeah, you can so talk me through the t- like, yeah so it's yeah. been really interesting to watch the industry grow from kind of this really underground thing to kind of a lot more mainstream and one of our things has always been like inclusion within yeah. our, mm-hmm. our company and and cool. um and and watching like you were saying there's kind of it is there's there's an archetype right of like what what a mermaid looks like sexy thin and, exists
0: yep. kind of for uh, a stranded uh, sailor
1: up, up, yeah. maybe not wearing a top yes. like you know yeah. All yeah. Of that there's been a lot of like groundbreaking that's happened cool. with that within the community and we've we've done our best you know I'll never claim that we are like perfect or anything but we've always done our best to to help with push that idea forward Of anybody that wants to do this hobby can because there's a lot of people because that's the next question that we get a lot is like they're like who's even buying these and the the truth of the matter is like yes there's professional people that buy them that they perform at aquariums or they do kids parties and things like that but like our day-to-day customer who's purchasing these these mermaid tails are they're they're just doing it for a hobby. They're doing it cool. for fun because, you know, there is that fantasy element of, you know, it makes them feel beautiful or they like swimming in them or yeah. they want to take cool photos in them. And so for us, you know, you know, we've always you know, really pushed and promoted the idea that like anybody that wants to do this can, yeah. you know, even turning that idea, you know, a lot of parents talk to us and be like, oh, I want one for my daughter. And we're like, well, what, what, you know, but my son was interested in one, but you know, I wouldn't want him to like do that. And we'd be like, why not? Like, it's what like, why, why, why would that, why would your daughter get one, but not your son? Like if they really want one. Right. Um, so yeah, that's been a really big, and then the same with like, um, with body types as well. We've mm-hmm. always really promoted um we've always really promoted you know making pieces that fit multiple types yeah. of body types and stuff like that was that um, ever it, something
0: that was like difficult for you guys like just did it I think what I'm wondering is like did it make you kind of confront your own like sense of beauty like of your own beauty like I'm curious about like how that affected you I, You personally I definitely
1: think that there's an aspect of that Brynn and I always grew up being very and you know, I hate to, like, talk ourselves up like this. Brennan and I always grew up being the kids that would, like, reach out and go sit with a bullied kid at lunch class. No, you know, please talk are,
0: yourself up about yeah, this. I yeah. mean,
1: yeah. We were just brought up in that very empathetic way. Yeah. We had empathy was really a huge part of our upbringing and just a huge part of who we are as people. And so in some regards, yeah, I mean, I think that everybody – anybody can constantly be being challenged on those beauty standards, yeah. on a lot of the internalized beauty standards that we have towards ourselves and people in society. I think you can be one of the most empathetic people in the world and still have growth that you can be of doing. Course. In those well, so, I mean,
0: so- we live in, we live in a, you know, it's hard. Like, you yeah, know, we exactly, grew, we grew exactly. up in the nineties, like with Victoria's yeah, Secret. Yeah, and, like yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. So like, was it ever personally hard for me? No, because I was, we, we've always been the people that have been kind of championing cool. the underdog, you know, that is just kind of who we have always been as people, but on a level of like internalized stuff that you have to face sometimes, like, absolutely. But yeah. I think that is anybody. And absolutely say there are, there are mermaids within the industry who are just like absolute champions and leaders. Yeah. of, you know, being plus size in the industry and things like that. You know, I was lucky enough to have a roundtable discussion um, with a group that calls themselves Society of Fat Mermaids. And they did a roundtable with me a couple of years ago because we were starting to move our fabric tail production in-house. And um, we were obviously making sure that we were covering all our bases yeah. for sizes. Anybody who came to the website, we want you to be able to get a tail. And so I did a roundtable discussion with them about how do I make good sizes for plus size bodies. Like what, what are the things that you need out of a garment like this? Um, And so there are people out there that um, within this industry that in general is has that very kind of open and accepting mindset. Um, And there are people out there pushing that even further, which is really awesome. I
0: love it. Well, I I can, I mean, it's so powerful. It's so clear to me that it's powerful. Like even just, you know, giving oneself the permission to Mm -hmm. be beautiful Yeah. It's really powerful. Like, and I I can just imagine that being especially like, I think, I mean, I don't know what your, what your experience with this is, but you know, if you're growing up and you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're maybe getting teased, you're maybe dealing with bullying, you're maybe like, you know, whatever, trying to figure out who am I, what is, what is my femininity? Like, what is my beauty? Like what, what's my relationship to my own body? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, even though you aren't like the ones performing in the tales, I have to imagine that, like some of this process like was kind of confronting <laughs> like
1: just in yeah, a very very
0: personal absolutely.
1: way well and just wearing a tail in general feels very transformative yeah. like it, there's just something about it where mm-hmm. it's like you put one on and you're suddenly like i'm a mythical creature yeah. <laughs> can you tell me
0: like the first tell me about the first time that you each like wore one do you yeah, want to just tell so, a little I story i mean it would have
1: yeah. the first ones that we made yeah, yeah. and, and it probably and honestly that youtube i do, remember, YouTube it because, no, I do we... remember it because we swam in them, in -hmm. that pool for the first time. And I remember we were like, this is so cool. Like, I couldn't... like I kind of couldn't believe that we'd made them and that they worked, you yeah. Know? Like with the other thing. We were like, okay, we're like we're actually It was very I actually cool. have a very profound memory of like the first time I saw one of the tales that we made in the water. Yeah. And it was like it was it, it wasn't me wearing it. It was one of the the mermaid performers. She was in the tank at the Renaissance festival. Yeah. The yeah. light, it was like morning. And so oh, the, the sunlight was like streaming. filtering through really beautifully through the water. And I just remember like in that moment, like, oh my God, this is so magical. And, yeah. and, and I remember, like, there were lines of people to come in and see the mermaids because they were a new thing at the fair. Wow. And just like seeing the kids come through and like the absolute wonder. Why
0: do children. you think it's so powerful? Like, please tell understand. me all your theories.
1: Uh, that's uh, that's a great question that nobody's asked me before. <laughs> Yay! Um, from the <laughs> aspect of like, from the aspect of watching ch- children. Um, I think there's something so beautiful and amazing about that. Like being able to create magic for kids, I think, is like a huge part of it and a huge part of why a lot of professional mermaids perform and everything like that. But for me, I think it was really an aspect of uh, a sense of accomplishment of like I made that and it looks amazing and I've spent my whole life where these, you know, this fantasy these fantasies that I'm either reading or imagining or whatever right. are like such a huge part of my inspiration that it's kind and of that, that full circle inspiration feeling like you know? you're part of it. Feeling that like you're part of part yeah, like, of creating it. Do yeah. you feel like it
0: changes like I mean, because I've never I've never seen a mer- like I've never seen this in I've seen videos, I've never seen it in real life. So I've never seen I've never met someone who's like walking around on two legs and then like seen them in a mm-hmm. tail. Do you feel like there's like an aspect where like this woman or man or anybody who you see like as the mermaid and then see that like does it change the way that you see them when they're back on land?
1: Absolutely. I think yeah. that for a lot of people that are that do mermaiding, um, I think that they feel that yeah. when they wear the tail. And so I think that it's only natural that you see that in them. Yeah,
0: it's like you it's like putting them in the tail in the water makes mm-hmm. you see that person's beauty in a new way and yeah. then when they're out of the water you can still see it is it yeah. like that
1: yeah absolutely cool. yeah and like I said there were just some people that it's like like our um like Hannah who you were emailing with she yeah. does mermaid performance cool. and she does a lot of them- modeling and stuff for us here at the studio when we have our pool up in the summer and stuff like that. And you'll see her get in a tail and just like the way that she moves is so beautiful and so graceful. And not to say that like her human Hannah is not beautiful and graceful, but it's in a way that is just so different. And and it's like you
0: see Hannah, like as this graceful creature.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, meanwhile knowing her for like the, you know, the silly, friendly whatever human that she is you know she can be really goofy and stuff at the studio but then to see her in a tail it's like she's immediately transformed and and yeah it's well, it's pretty cool it's, it, it's like it
0: yeah. gives you this little clue that there's something truly magical like in each person and like we yeah. have there's this there's this creature yeah. that's like yeah well, in again, there. i
1: think so much of it is tapping into like we were talking about tapping into that like that sense of escapism, but I don't even want to qualify it necessarily as escaping like your human reality. I think it's tapping into the depth of, you know, the, the creativity. Well, Um, it's, it's like living in that fantasy, like the fantasy that you, you know, that you like read about or that you feel when you're being like creative, but you're kind of getting to embody it in that moment. And like Abby said, I think it can be very transformative. Yeah. And
0: it, do you feel like it takes like the, that it teaches an individual like a a type of permission that then they can take like out of the water
1: absolutely I've heard from so many people about um, what mermaiding has done for their confidence level. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I think that there's Cause I remember very early wow. on when we started doing it, like taking a mermaid tail to the beach and like putting it on and like getting in the water. Like you kind of have this, like, Oh my God, who's watching me, you know, like yeah. a grown adult woman put on a mermaid tail. Yeah. Um, but then it's like, you get to this point where you're like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like I'm, I, I love this, you know? Yeah. And so I think that there's definitely a level of, of confidence because you're allowing yourself, um, You know, to experience that and allowing yourself to do that.
0: Allowing yourself to be so beautiful and so graceful and so kind of like unfettered. Like there's, I mean, it's It's incredible.
1: Yeah. And it's kind of like that same philosophy, like of allowing yourself to tap into your inner child sometimes. Because like you were saying kind of at the start of how so many children are naturally creative and then it kind of just fades away you know into adulthood and I I think and I have found that a lot of people who are super creative and who are super artistic are tend to be those people that maintain that childlike wonder and who allow themselves to kind of have that very
0: subversive what you're doing Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's really Mm -hmm. cool like even if you're not thinking about it like that and you know whether or not you are it's like it's cool it's cool either way but I mean yeah that's it's quite it's quite subversive I think like you know hey not only will we preserve childlike wonder but uh, we're gonna make a business out of it yeah yes It's yes. 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 awesome. <laughs> I love it okay I want to just talk about a couple of a few more little topics um I'd love to hear both of you talk about like the nitty-gritty of the art stuff and just the way that I like to pose this kind of question to my guests is like Tell us what is like truly delicious and wonderful about the, the actual physical art that you're doing that we would never think to even ask, like just what, yeah, t- yeah, um, let's talk about that.
1: Um, oh gosh, so silicone creation itself is very messy. Like, I, I think that so many people have this idea that like, oh, you, you make mermaid tails, like that's so magical. Like it must be amazing. And it is, yeah. it is. But um, so much of the magic is in the end product. I mean, there's definitely a magic in the process as well. But the process is very messy. Um, There's, you know, there's definitely an aspect of trial and error. There's definitely an aspect of failure. Like all of these things that come that I mean, our regular art, you know, that come into creating, you know, all sorts of art um, definitely comes into play when you're making mermaid tails. It's not Um, fun. Yeah. Yeah. There are yeah. definitely aspects of it where it's like, this is a grind, yeah. like, you know, yeah. like, um, you know, especially because we are surviving off of the art we're making here. Yeah. And yeah. even though some of that, you know, um, like our fabric tails that starts out as a single silicone piece and then we're able to mass produce it, you know, cool. in a way, um, that's great. And that's nice. But even getting to that point, you know, there's a lot of groundwork that has to be laid to even get to that point of it. Um, yeah, other thing about it, yeah. Yeah. Other things we do like these, we make like silicone matching silicone tops. Okay. Cool. So the same, the same way we do the tails, we do the tops where Bryn will sculpt it. We'll make a mold of it, pour it in silicone and then we'll paint it. Wow. Um, you know, and just the other day we sold some and we had some, somebody was so angry that they didn't get one because again, these are like they're handmade yeah. and they're limited. I'm painting everything. I'm just one person. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and, uh, there's that aspect of it where it's like, I will be like painting, you know, as many tops as I can, um, all the time. How many
0: tops do you, like, how long does it
1: take? Uh, I'll generally, when I'm able to do them, because I'm bouncing kind of constantly back and forth between painting tops and painting tails and yeah. painting bases for fabric tails. Wow. Um, but I'll generally, I'll, when I do a batch of tops, I'll paint like six tops all at once usually. Cool. And that generally takes me about two hours, which doesn't sound like a lot. No, no. But the That's... prep work...
0: It sounds like a lot. It it does yeah. sound like a lot, actually.
1: Yeah. And and so it's like and so yeah, I'm lucky sometimes if I paint a round of tops once or twice a week. You know, so you gotta well, think And it takes you that long when you also consider you've had like ten, 10 years, years of to like build up to learning yeah. how to like mix the pigments into the silicone yeah. and like using your your compressor and your air. Gun Do you wanna to like talk about
0: the- like this new collection that you just released and kind of like what what your inspiration was, like what like each of you individually like what are the things on, like, what are the things that you're the most proud of? Like, tell me like little secrets.
1: <laughs> yeah. You want to hit that up, friend? Um, yeah, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's been really interesting. Um, the ever evolvingness of it. Like last year, like a year and a half ago now, I really started teaching myself, um, new mold making cool. techniques. Um, because, again, that's and that's kind of a, one of the things that people will ask is, you know, when they're like, oh, how did you get into mermaid stuff? Or do you do it because you love mermaid things? And I'll kind of like laugh and be like, if you really want to do a job like this, you kind of have to be in love with mold making, um, which can be like dirty and stinky and smelly and like, yeah. like hard and not pretty. And um, so like, that's one of those things, like especially within the last um, couple of years, I've really tried to you know, I think it's like artists and creative people. And then when you run a business or you do it for a living, you know, you'll kind of fall into, you know, you have like your rituals and your routines and those can be great things. But then you can also hit those points of like where you get bored or Mm -hmm. you feel like you're not challenged enough. And um, so that was something for me, especially within the last couple of years. And I'm still kind of in that place of feeling like I haven't, like I grew to a point and now feeling like I've kind of plateaued. And so that feeling of, like, really pushing myself to, like, to get better at sculpting and to, like, learn some more techniques, you know. Um, I recently, like, switched to a different type of clay in the last couple of years. And, um, you know, I've been watching more, like, online courses, um, like, on Stan Winston and stuff like that. And that's probably the thing that I'm, like, currently the most proud of is, when is like, the the one the burnout that you can kind of hit when you create for a living full-time yes and and then two also the plateau where you're like when you start when you hit that point where you're like is anything even good or like (laughs) could it be better or like you don't feel like you're doing you're not yourself isn't impressed by like what you're doing anymore you're like I've done that like same thing like you know a dozen times now so like is even is it even that cool? Is it even that good? Like, how could it be better? So for me, the last like few things that I've made over the last, the course of the last, like, you know, one to two years has been like me really pushing on expanding my, my creative limits as far as like what I'm actually good at, like, and, and then also just like that pushing to like learn and and gain more knowledge than what I even my current baseline. And it's mostly
0: been about like materials and, um, like methods
1: yeah it's been a lot of like materials and like methods mold making methods like in particular because when you work with silicone there's there's a lot of different options. Like there's not really, there's more than one way to do things. And I mean, I guess that's true for like a lot of different types of creating and a lot of different types of art forms. Um, You know, like there's more than one way to do an oil painting, you know, like people do it in different ways. And so it's the same with, with working with silicone and with mold making. Um, And then too, for me, it's also just like my skill level, even as a sculptor of of like the design, Well, I I did that thing. Like, you know, tons of people have seen it and told me that it's beautiful, but you know, you look at it and you're like, oh well, how can I, how can I build on that? Yeah. Like, how can I become better? Especially for me, like technique-wise, as far as sculpting, there's a lot that I'm sort of like really trying to dig into cool. as far as as far as like my strengths and like becoming stronger it's amazing
0: you, to though. hear you talk about that like I, I i'm gonna struggle to put it into words but it's like you know this podcast is called artifice which is just a cool word and also actually i just learned that it's like a, a character it's like a type of a character in like dungeons and dragons i just learned this like two days ago an artifice, no, I'm, I'm, an, no, cool. an artificer I'm, I'm... yeah an artificer is like um it's, it's a type, it's like a, I think I'm probably going to get it wrong, but it's like a type of wizard that imbues magic into objects,
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> which I feels very really like it, kind yeah. of I what you guys are.
0: It. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but anyway, like, I think s- what part of what this word like has come to mean to me um, and, and it really has evolved, like as I've been doing this project, but what it means to me right now, I think is like just the, the things that people would never think to ask like what are, what's in that kind of like layer deeper and it's amazing to hear you talk I mean I think people would expect brand especially to hear you talk about design um mm-hmm. but to hear you talking about like the materials and like the the sculpting like my guess is that a lot of your fans aren't thinking about that maybe they are
1: yeah I think a lot of people yeah probably don't know the necessarily like the the depth <laughs> that yeah the amount of steps that go into yeah. like making what we make. Yeah. Um, I really don't think that people necessarily, I think a lot of people probably don't have, yeah, like a, a huge understanding on it. Some definitely do, but, um, but yeah, like the complexity of it all, yeah. I guess um, there's so many steps. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, um, and that is one of the things I think that can be even a, a little bit challenging and, and something that I'm in like this really interesting place personally right yeah. now of feeling a little lost like in the steps mm-hmm. because it's the same steps now that we've done over and over and it's been 10 years and it's like you know it's you know when you're building something like if you build a table over and over again yeah. like you can build all kinds of different tables that like look different but it's like at the end of the day like they're gonna have a flat top and the magic leg. kind of the magic kind of gets out yeah. of each- and, yeah and it's the same way with with um, with Murray Tales, you know, it's like at the end of the day, it's the same construction component of like putting them all together. Mm -hmm. And, um, so for me, it's been, how do I kind of break away from that a little bit so that I can feel like I'm not just part of a process and like, kind of stagnant in that, like, uh, like I'm just doing the, the same, like repetitive thing over and over again. Um, whereas, you know, kind of having to break, out of that a little bit cool. so that I can like really feel like I'm, I'm being creative Alive. and, creative and yeah. yes. Yeah. And like enjoying, you know, in, enjoying what I'm doing and feeling creatively fulfilled with what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah.
0: Really Abby, cool. do you want to talk about those same really? things? So like, um, what's kind of like, what's the stuff we wouldn't think to ask about what you're doing with it. And then, yeah, maybe kind of yeah, also,
1: absolutely. Yeah. I spend so much time on the computer <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I would realize, um, we're very lucky in that we've got a really, we've gotten to the point that we have a really great team around us that they handle a lot of um you know like the customer service aspect of things so I don't mean on the computer in that way I am on the computer sometimes in those ways but building um like building the tail files um so when we take a, a, a tail from silicone to fabric um that is a whole process uh that has become an art form in and of itself you know um because um, in order to digitize it, we have this whole process that we because we our whole thing when we started making the fabric tails, we were really resistant to it at first mm-hmm. because it mm-hmm. kind of felt like we were like, we're not gonna sell out, yeah. you know? Sell <laughs> out, um, you know, we're making art. And so yeah. the compromise to doing that was how do we do it in a way that we still feel that it is art? Yeah. We still feel it is a representation of our art. Because up until we started to make our photorealistic fabric tails, they did not exist on the market. Wow. Um it was all digital designs and, um, and to, and, and fabric tails back before we were making ours were very much kind of, um, just the budget option and they looked like the budget
2: option. Mm-hmm.
1: And sometimes that's all that was available to people. And one thing, again, like kind of like what we were talking about with making, our art accessible to people? Was we were like, how do we bridge this gap? Because we started off just making silicone tails, custom silicone tails. Our starting price ten years ago was twenty five hundred dollars for yeah. a silicone tail, and or you could um, get like a fifty dollars spandex tail on the internet. Exactly, and that was kind of the so it was like, what's people, the middle? Yeah. You know, what yeah. is in the middle? And so that was really kind of what we you know, five, six, seven years ago, really started to focus on was how do we bridge this gap and make this a more accessible thing to people? But that can can still be be beautiful. That can still be beautiful. Like how does somebody, you know, who is on a budget be able to get a fabric tail that they can feel beautiful in, they can take beautiful pictures in. And so that was at the core really of us deciding to do fabric tails was we want to make it accessible. Accessible. We still want it to be beautiful. We still want it to be art. And so we did that by being like, well, we're going to make our tails, our fabric tails as photorealistic as possible. We're going to make them look as much like a silicone tail from a distance as we possibly can. And we did that so well that we actually had several Individuals in the industry very upset with us. Um, there Bad were people ass. that were really mad. They were like, "You're cheapening what we You're do. You're cheapening what we do. Yeah. Like what? now, anybody going to be able to buy a silicone tail. Well, and, and to be fair, it was people who were performing. Um, okay. who were in the performance aspect of. They the were basically why, like, "You made these look too good. You made these look and too good. Now, so people can buy these for like a couple hundred. Anybody is going to be like, able to buy a fabric tail yeah. for a couple hundred bucks and be able to do go do a mermaid. And you guys party.
0: were like, exactly yeah <laughs> yes, that was basically like I'm not trying
1: to take work away from anybody but like everybody should be it's able expansive
0: to have- I think we it's really easy again in this in the environment that we're in we get so scarce we get so much scarcity this happens yes. in music too I mean it's the same thing like with everyone being able to kind of produce like in their basements and you know everyone has it, it, like things are so much more accessible which I think rather than feeling scarce about it it's like okay evolve like grow (laughs) like what like just like what brand was talking about like what's next like what are we gonna do next
1: it's like have the abundance mindset yes exactly um so yeah so so the the fabric tails in themselves are um have become an art form me digitizing them i am so particular about Yay. it because i want it to look as realistic as possible i want it to be on fabric and cool. be able to take a video of it and people to be like i can't tell if that's silicone or fabric we've cool. gotten that comment a lot on on videos and stuff of our fabric tails which is just awesome and um and so, like, that is kind of something that I think is very behind the scenes that people yeah. probably don't see, um, is, like, yeah, I get to go paint it, and that's a lot of fun. Do you want um, to say anything effort?
0: about paint, about, like, your yeah, relationship oh, with paint? Yeah, I get a paint? lot of
1: questions about that. People are, like, how do you do this? Um, so I airbrush everything. Cool. Um, I do everything with a paint gun. It's all a silicone-based paint. Um, and then, believe it or not, I use a lot of pigments that are made for, like, painting cars. Cool. Like, um, a lot of like you know metallic, metallic powder based pigments and stuff like that. Um, so and I custom I generally custom mix all my colors. Sometimes yeah. I'll get a pigment that I can use it straight out of the bag or or the the container and be like, great, perfect. Um, but for the most part, I'm always kind of constantly customizing it, tweaking it wow. um, a little bit. And then yeah, I had never touched a paint gun before we started making mermaid tails. Cool. had never used one, had never thought of using one. Um, and I actually made a video a while back that got a lot of traction on our social media about like what I love about airbrushing, mm. um, and how I really found that it's a medium for me. And, um, and it's something that I've really come to love that mm. I, I, you know, that I've What
0: do you up, love like, about t- it?
1: Um, I, I'm a really impatient artist. Um, I, I'm really not one of these people that can sit down for like 40 to 80 to 100 hours working oh. on a single piece. Like, there are people out there that they do that and they do it well. Um, uh, I'm not one of those yeah, people. Yeah. Um, and so, um, for me to be able to, obviously, it took a, a lot of time building up and practicing and getting good at it, but it's like to get to a point that it's like, oh, I can go paint with my airbrush and turn out, you know, like a mermaid tail in a couple hours, you know, you know, a wow. single side. Yeah. Um, like that to me is very gratifying. Like yeah. it definitely has a little bit of that aspect of instant gratification um, because there's also an aspect of airbrushing that you are in constant motion, yeah. right? You can't stop. Cool. Up. You know, if you stop, you have to make sure you let up the trigger on your air gun because if you're holding the trigger down, your paint's going to, you know, I build wonder, up. And- I
0: wonder if it's similar to like improvising. Like if it, yeah. like, you know, I think about like, cause I, 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 do, I don't really perform jazz anymore. I I do more pop, but you know, jazz is a very improvised music. And I think a lot about how, you know, what we're doing the same thing, like a pianist who's improvising and a pianist who's playing a composed piece is like mechanically doing a very simil- similar, similar yeah. thing, but maybe because you have to do it, like you can't take all this time. Like, yeah, I wonder if there's something that's kind of like, there's a kind of an in the momentness about it that's
2: cool yeah
1: absolutely there is and it's funny because I've never thought of it that way before but there's definitely an aspect sometimes where it's like I'll go out there and I'll be like I don't know how this is gonna turn out we'll see and I find out very quickly how it's gonna turn out that's the nice part too for me about it is that I don't have to again I don't have to sit and work on an art piece for 40 hours to be like I hate it you know like you know it's like I can you know it's ephemeral to laying down paint and very quickly deduce if it's working or not that's really
0: cool that feels very in line with like all the other things we've talked about
1: yeah (laughs) yeah well
0: it's been I I know you're very busy so I don't want to keep (laughs) you too long but were there any other things on those prompts that you wanted to get into or like anything else you want to say about about art about you know what it means to live an artful life
1: we could talk all day. About yes. So, um, you know, kind of like one of our high school art teachers said to us, she was like, it's never finished. You just decide when it's finished. You just decide, <laughs> you just decide when to stop working on I feel like that's going to be this yeah. conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah, I wish I had highlighted some of these, but I just feel like they were all oh, so great. Like you had so many wonderful questions. I know, oh, this one, do you ever experience imposter system it's syndrome? Yeah. All the time, yeah. <laughs> all the time. And it's so funny because it's like, I think from the outside looking in, you know, it can be easy to look at any successful artist and be like, Oh, there's no way they ever feel that uh, again, successful. I say, sure. you know, in terms of you're you've built a career out of it, you're able Absolutely. to live a financially stable existence. Again, that is what I mean in this context. I'm with you. Stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it can be really easy to look and say, Oh, there's no way that they feel that this is just me um, because I'm not succeeding or I'm not doing well or I'm not, you know, my art isn't bringing me where I want it to, to go. Um, you know, to know, to be like, yes, absolutely. I feel that all the time. I, I there's kind of a I feel like kind of a constant mm-hmm. level yeah. of, You know, imposter syndrome, or like, how did we get here? You know. Oh yeah, we like look at each other sometimes. You know, we're in this this big hundred year old warehouse building that we purchased five years ago now, with I think like eight to ten employee like people that work for us, and sometimes we like look at each other and we're like, who put us in charge? Who (laughs) let let this happen? Who let us be in charge of this? Well,
0: I think people, I think like you know, as with all these things, they're just they're such powerful things to say out loud, and I think it's a great reminder to anyone who wants to be creative of just like you just take the steps it's so much faith and like you mm-hmm. know and part of what's going on with you too i can totally see it is like you're always thinking about evolving you're like you're you're in this perpetual motion and yes. you would have been in perpetual motion no matter what you're doing
1: yes absolutely yeah absolutely and it's so funny that you say that because I feel like that's just such a huge part of making an art a living is there's no such thing as like boom I'm successful that's no, it right that's you it. know yeah. it's, it's the the constant there's a constant level of work to it it's a and skill
0: yeah. that that in yeah. and of itself is a skill like just hearing hearing Bryn talk about like the molds and stuff like and and you know not feeling stagnant like I totally understand these things like I'm going through one of these things like myself right now and like I'm thinking about medium and thinking about like what is what is medium what is my medium like and I'm I'm sure you guys are the same way like it changes all the time and sometimes it's digital and sometimes it's and sometimes it's your business and sometimes it's a vision sometimes your medium is is a movement like
1: yeah Mm -hmm. well and even like having a style right like I feel like there's so much like focus put on like aesthetic and stuff like that like for me at least you know like i look at you know you look at like specific artists like on instagram and like when you go to their instagram page and it all has the same vibe yeah and the same look and you're like yeah. oh they know their style like they know their vibe and their aesthetic and that's something for me like as a sculptor that I'm still like I still feel like I have no idea like and that I, feel I don't that know with that I don't know too. if that maybe yeah. you know it's like I don't know for sure I'm like I don't know if that would surprise people that that know us or follow us or you know have watched our work throughout the last decade but it's like you know for me it's hard because sometimes I I still feel like I'm Again, like with that imposter syndrome, syndrome almost of like, of like I've somehow tricked people into yeah. thinking I'm, <laughs> I'm a sculptor. Like I've somehow tricked them because I still have these moments of not knowing yeah. who I am necessarily in that as far as like my style and like yeah. what is my style or my aesthetic or my vibe or you yeah. know any of those things. And oh, I um, love it. It's and so, so powerful. Yeah it's, yeah, it's and it's 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 a lot to take in and it's a lot to. You know, I've had these moments, like I said, of there's never a day where, even the days where I come in in this job, is like it feels so hard, or I like I couldn't possibly make another whole other single mermaid tale. You know, because you, you have those moments and you have those days. It's yeah. still always, uh, I'm still always grateful. I still always have this gratitude, um, but that sometimes it's hard, and like something that I would want to convey to anyone who is listening, who is making art for a living, is or, or who, who's looking at someone who's making art for a living and thinking uh, how badly maybe that they want that or that they're working towards yeah. that is to also, like, give yourself grace as a yes. creative person that, that you're allowed to, like, have bad days or you're allowed to have days where you're like, ugh, like, this sucks yeah. or I don't feel like I'm getting to be creative or creative in the ways I want to be or I don't feel like I'm – I still don't feel like I'm good enough at this certain yeah. thing. Like, I think that's something that's really important too because, like, again, as people, we've been doing – for 10 years now. And it's like, I still have my days like that. Mm-hmm. I still, I'm like, I would, there's nothing else I would rather be doing, but that doesn't mean that like every single day you're going to feel, you know, you're going to sit there and feel like some extravagant artist. That's that to- resilience
0: that we talked about. Like it's, you <laughs> learn it as a child and it doesn't go away. Like it's a con it's constant. And like, yeah, I, I'm follow every art group I can. Like I'm just always like, I need yeah. it. I need I need my fix like all day, every day. And I just was you know, kind of vaguely participating, but mostly watching a conversation, um, on the Facebook pages of, of an artist that I really like. And she had asked some question about like arts, like a trained artist versus a self-taught artist. And there was like a great kind of debate going on in the comments. And I wrote a little comment just because like, I think I have a unique perspective on this for several reasons. Like I have a master's degree. I'm a professor. I'm also a freelancer. Like I'm an adjunct. So I teach one day a week and it's a really important part of my career. Like I always wanted to teach. And I think partly because like I've, I don't have a good relationship with my parents but I loved my teachers. Like it's important Uh, to me to like have students. Like I want to be, I want to pay that forward. Um, But I'm a freelancer, you know, like I I mostly am free. Like most of my income comes from freelance. Then I do this podcast. So like for all these reasons, I like I'm thinking about art in like institutional and non-institutional ways. And the thing that I keep coming back to is like creativity and art are just like our birthright. They're part of our species. And it's up to kind of each individual to kind of just go like, well, what do I want? And then find it, (laughs) like, just find it. And maybe that means like, you know, you don't ever make any art, but like, you're a beautifully creative mother, or like, maybe you don't make art, but you're like, like, you know, I I had a a really terrible knee injury at the beginning of the went at the beginning of winter and was on crutches for like six weeks, nine weeks. And yeah. i go I go to physical therapy a lot. And my physical therapist is so creative. and i I always just yeah. feel like you're you're an artist. Like,
1: yeah, you're I' really a healer. Feel- yeah, definitely. I really feel like that, you know, there's kind of like the institutionalized version of fine art, which again, no hate. Yeah. Um, I think that there's something really beautiful and wonderful about that. and yes. if It's something that you're good at and it's something that you have access to, yeah. like good for you. But I do think that it can re- create this really narrow understanding of what art yes. is. And what creativity is. And I think that people will think of that when they say, oh, I'm not creative. Right. You know, I I get that, we get that so much from people who are like, I can never do what you do. I'm not a creative person. And it's like, well, just because you, or maybe not good at drawing or good at painting doesn't yeah. mean you're not a creative person. Mm-hmm. Totally. There's all sorts of ways to be creative. Well, I
0: think that's why right now that's what this podcast is being about for me. Like that's what, these are the conversations I want to have. I want to talk to people who are professional creatives or, or who spend the vast majority of their time they they've dedicated their lives to creativity and hear those people inevitably say, No, this is like, this is something that's in my heart. This is something that's in Mm -hmm. my life. Like, yeah, I'm doing this thing, but it's that's not the thing. (laughs) The crux of the thing is like, I'm determined to be creative.
2: Yes. Yeah. And, you know, hearing
0: you guys talk about like how you're thinking about people and how these things affect like these movements and how, you know, what you're the work you're doing, like, it changes the way we think about beauty and how we think about femininity and how we think about all these things. It's just, I don't know. It's awesome.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Do do you want to say anything else? So do you want, I'll kind of offer this last like, you know, basic question, which is like, how does being a creative um, change the way that you think about people and about the world?
1: Uh, Oh, that's a good question.
0: I'm obsessed lately with this. <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, one of the things that, that I think about a lot is again, like we're kind of in this, people ask me all the time and I've said it for years now, they'll be like, Oh, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like a real job, uh, but it is. <laughs> uh, and then I say, I make mermaid tails full time. And, um, you know, it's interesting, like the range of response you get to that from like, Oh my God, that's so cool. To like, you know, the raised out, Like, yeah. Oh, I do. Bailey, I down. know it. <laughs> um, and I think like one of the big things is is just this idea that there are literally so many options and ways in which to be creative yeah. and to make that your life. And that it's not just I want to be an artist, so I have to paint paintings like and that has to be how I like make a yeah. living or or, or express my creativity. Like there's so many like, and we're kind of a testament to that, right? That like yes. we made a career out of making something as benign and out there as Mermaid Tales. Yeah. And so, to me, it's it's kind of this idea that um, there's so many options. There's so many options yes. and so many avenues and so many ways in which you can be creative, um, or or be creative full time, or or just in in your day to day life, or however you want to do it, if you want to do it professionally, it's like that there's not this, you know, like a period dot of like, you know, you have one simple way of doing it. Um, There's not there's like so many ways that you can that you can do that. And And we're, we're kind of a testament to that based solely on the fact that we have the type of business that we have. Mm -hmm. So
0: do you see fantasy in people in a different way than you used to?
1: Yeah, I absolutely do. I, th- I think I see it in a way that... Um, seeing how necessary it is yeah. I think to to many aspects of life and to many people um, and also embracing it in myself you yes. know because um, and then and th- which then I think hopefully allows other people to embrace it because you have these moments of absolute awe in your life and I think um, to be able to have those you need to be able to embrace the awesome you know yes. and I think that fantasy and you know those types of things can bring a lot of that into our lives in in ways when you you know when life is feeling really mundane yeah. um sometimes you have to make it you, you know have a to,
0: you have to um, learn how to see it too
1: I, yeah I absolutely I, think that
0: my husband will say to me sometimes he'll be like you find the coolest people to talk to and I'm like no 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 people are cool <laughs> like, yeah. like, like if you ask the right questions i think like i mean and it, and it certainly it's easier when i'm talking to people who make mermaid tails but yeah. like when you ask the right questions like nearly everyone is enchanting like yeah. nearly everyone is truly magical and i have to imagine that like you look at movement in a totally different way and you just see like you know you just see people like in a different way it's cool yeah.
1: I think it's asking the right questions, and then also just like giving people the permission. Yes. Because I think so many people, and again, circling back to this first thing you we kind of talked about, where people kind of lose it as they yeah. grow into an adult. I think it's giving the permission, and I really think our generation is kind of leading the charge on I that. Hope
0: so we're yeah.
1: like millennials are out here like fighting for our lives to have it be just a little bit magical. So, yeah. yeah. Well, like, and I think that we're bringing that in into into reality.
0: I remembered something that you said earlier that was making me think like you were talking about this thing of people who don't uh appreciate music or don't like hear don't feel yeah yeah don't feel it. I was thinking like you know one of my one of the greatest joys of my life is teaching singing to amateurs and hearing like a little tiny child sing I will get goosebumps on the daily yeah. like mm-hmm. a little kid who's like you know they're not like good like in the sense of like whatever but I don't care like it's like that little voice is like so I mean I have full body chills like regularly from hearing like normal people just like (laughs) exercise their voices and I feel like that's what Mm -hmm. you guys are doing. You're just like, you're giving like regular people permission to be enchanted and how can you not take that home? And then, you know, some of those people are going back to like whatever jobs they have and they're just a little bit more enchanted you know it's yes, awesome
1: yes and yes. I think that's why it's grown that's why yeah. it's grown the way that it has over the last 10 years is yeah. some is more and more people they see they a friend doing it or someone on yeah. you know Instagram or social media and then it's like by seeing that they then feel that permission to yeah. also be able to to enjoy that or mm. to um you know to participate you know? I love it
0: more than anything <laughs> so amazing okay i ask everybody to wrap up questions at the at the very end the first is what's your dream collaboration and you can you can take it however you want you can answer together you can answer separately whatever you whatever you like
1: um we have always said back and forth all the time we're like we need a mermaid tail on ariel in disney world I would love to be able to do that collaboration. I don't yeah. know that it would ever happen, but I think. Why it would- not? And then, and then it I think big one that we've really focused on, like that, we wish that we could manifest, is we really want to make a mermaid tail for Lizzo. Oh yes, yeah, <gasps> yes. yeah, we, yes. We just think she's amazing. I either.
0: mean, what <laughs> have you tried? Like, I just feel um, like well, <laughs> we please, gotta make that happen for you. Uh,
1: so, like, we like one of our ambassadors, Mermaid Serenity. She's yeah, on. She's on the
0: one them. that I like found you guys. Um, so, well,
1: yeah. that's awesome that's great um so like last summer when Lizzo's song came out uh, w- that everybody did the dance moves to okay, yeah. she did one in the water as a mermaid and like tagged Lizzo and it was like us being like all of us trying to be like if she sees it like maybe this could manifest yeah. us like actually like making a tail. Oh, for her I'm um,
0: sure you could get in touch with someone who's like costumed yeah. something for Lizzo I, I feel thought. certain that if Lizzo caught wind of this she would be like well, obviously, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, Florence yes, and the Machine yes. just put is just put out a single called Mermaids, so maybe it's like I don't know. Maybe there's something. Maybe there's an inroad, <laughs>
1: right? Know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I yeah, like those. I, think that's I
0: like demand funny. for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. And then just tell everybody where to find
2: your work.
1: Yeah, we're at um, Finfolk Productions. So we're finfolk.com. It's F I N F O L K. And then we're Finfolk Productions on all social media platforms Mm -hmm. at Finfolk Productions. Thank you both so, so
0: much for talking with me. I'm like, I told my husband, like, the day that I sent the request in, I was like, I really hope they respond. I'm like so thrilled to (laughs) talk to you. Like, it's just, it's amazing what you're doing. And I just, I love it so much. Thank you for sharing with me.
2: Yeah, this was
1: thank you for having one. us and for talking to us together i know yeah. that's like not your yeah, standard i but loved it you can probably like maybe gathered over the last two hours that it. we've talked like this is how we function yeah. so it makes
0: perfect sense and yeah as soon as hannah said that i was like well uh, yeah duh like it, it was just it just took me a second to be like of course this makes sense yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank that's you great. really and
0: i hope you have like the most incredible beautiful day
1: yeah, and thank you so much. Like I said, I did not have any idea. I'd never listened to the podcast before. And so when Hannah brought these questions over to uh, our desk, these are awesome. I was like, like, awesome. <laughs> I was yeah. like this is going to be like unlike any interview I've ever done before. I love it. Usually we just like, we give kind of like a the robot, same, same kind of you know, story, story and... same kind of standard. But you asked, it's just thank some fantastic and perspective yes, questions. Thank you, that you that so I much. Love.
0: I deeply appreciate that. I've been thinking recently, like, I, I want. I hope that like these interviews are like, what I really want is for it to feel like, like a gift to the artists, like, yeah, like no, a, some kind really of a good reflection.
1: I'm going to keep these questions. <laughs> keep them whenever I need a moment to reflect, I'm going to keep them as a prompt. So. Thank you for saying
0: that. And you guys are welcome back anytime. I've been thinking lately, <sighs> I, I want to start a new thing t- of doing just like little mini sodes of like, just catching up with oh, artists really? who are like, yeah. hey, I have a little <laughs> thought, like just yeah. so you're welcome anytime.
1: Awesome. That would be amazing. Thank you. Have a
0: beautiful day. You guys are amazing. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrillmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.